Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. I think the least said the better about Statler and Waldorf and their little barroom brawl on the American television networks at 2 o'clock this morning. He said the better. All I know is if you had those two outlads down the end of the bar at half 11 on a Saturday night shouting and roaring at one another, spilling their pints and throwing beer mats around the place, you'd bar them. They were both a disgrace. They were both an absolute disgrace. I, I feel for my American friends uh, at the moment if that's the choice they have on the 3rd of November. 1857-15996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. But far closer to home, uh, we talked about it Monday morning. We talked to the Students' Union about virtual Freshers' Week. They insisted it was going ahead. They insisted it wouldn't cause any trouble. Monday night, we know town was Jamaroonie. Yesterday morning, we talked about that. And now the guards confirm it's in the echo this morning. Serious concerns are being voiced that some people are still gathering for house parties despite public health advice to the contrary. And of course, this ties in with virtual, or so-called virtual, Freshers' Week. Uh, Fiona Corcoran from the newsroom is across it. Fiona, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Tell me about these Garda call-outs first. Yes, it was a story that's in the Echo today, as you said, that uh, Gardaí had been called out to five house parties in Cork City. And um, the Gardaí, now I did ask for a statement on this this morning, and they said that they cannot comment on individual cases, but that if we had a specific party that we wanted to query, that they would uh, respond to that. Um, But um, the Echo is reporting that they were called out to five different house parties. And we know yesterday the the um, Magazine Road Residents Association, they had issued a statement on Monday asking that Freshers Week be uh, cancelled, given the fact that there had been a lot of students gathering in and around the area, the Magazine Road area. Um, but the one of the residents, um, a man called Aidan Cahill, actually came out on the ra- radio yesterday. We had him in our news bulletins yesterday and he said that you know, the Freshers' Week events, even though they're virtual, he said they're virtual by presentation, but but not on the receiving end. He said they're seeing large groups of students all around the area. He said that um, he saw young um, students carrying slabs of beer um, into houses at half 11 on Monday morning and no. called for the Freshers' Week events. 
Hello. No, you do- you dropped there for a second. Keep going. Oh, um, yeah, so I met with um, the Students' Union President, Nisha Crowley, yesterday and um, I asked him, first of all, about the virtual events and he defended um, having them and having them continue and in his words he said that uh, having virtual events for Freshers' Week um, was the intention was to have the opposite effect in that it would um, have people staying indoors, watching these events and not going out to, to gather in, in large groups and I think I've sent you a clip there of yep, that you might have, have that, that in the system I have a couple of them actually here we go our yeah. Freshers Week is completely online so the conventional Freshers Week obviously would have events on campus and in pubs so we decided this year not to do that we decided to do it fully online in 100% compliance with public health guidelines um, so I don't see any connection between uh, our, our events and the uh, events that are going on in town this week in fact quite the opposite that our events are there to keep people away uh, from large gatherings and I think that's very important at this point in time to give people an alternative source of entertainment I think someone was making the point yesterday, Fiona, that a virtual DJ set is asking for trouble, for example. Yeah, I put that to Nisha as well, PJ. I said to him, did he not think that, you know, having virtual events is all well and good, but that it would attract people to gather together in houses to watch these events and may lead ultimately to these house parties or large gatherings of students in houses. And um, he refuted that claim. And there's a clip of that there now as well. Based on what we've seen, uh, I don't think that's the case. Um, since the beginning of the pandemic, people have turned online events as a form, uh, an alternative form of entertainment. And I think that's consistent with public health guidelines. Um, what I'd like to say as well is that the Magazine Road Residence Association also claimed that uh, the Sunday night parties were as a result of our virtual events. But I would like to tell listeners that there was no virtual event on Sunday night, absolutely no virtual event at all. And house parties still went on, so it's not true. It's not an accurate reflection of the truth. Um, there's been a number of disciplinary hearings for house parties in UC this week, and none of those events, uh, none of those house parties have been linked to one virtual event. So I think that's really important that people realise and it's a misconception I think that's going around at the moment. But this is not it's not true, it's not an accurate reflection of the situation. Uh, these virtual gatherings are not encouraging house parties based on what we are seeing here in UC. Okay. Now, I'm gonna have to try and clean up that line with Fiona. We'll take a quick commercial break and come back to we'll see if we can sort that out, D will you? Thanks. 1857-15996. The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Every day washing and drying, done within an hour. Self-service laundry.ie the Cork Diary. Courts 96 FM. The annual Fort to Fort Charity Cycle Sport Eve is back for its ninth year and once again raising much needed funds for the Mercy Hospital Foundation. This year's cycle is virtual and will allow participants to choose their own route and distance of 40, 65, 85 or 120 kilometres. You can complete your cycle at any time between the 1st and 31st of October. For more info check out mercyfundraising.com or fort2fort.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM Right, hopefully we got Fiona back on a better line That's better fit so you were talking about Michael Donovan from the Vintners, eh? Yes, um, he had said to me that, because uh, we had seen on Monday Night Peach the pictures of students gathering outside various different venues in the city. So, um, you know, it wasn't just house parties that 
residents were concerned about was also gatherings in the city centre. And um, I asked Michael O'Donovan about that. Now, he said that the college should have um, been quicker or that the government should have been quicker in announcing a decision to move all lectures online. We know that decision was only announced on Friday. And Michael said to me that he believed that if that decision had been taken much earlier, we may not have had the same amount of students in the city for Freshers Week. And you have a clip of that there as well. It was only five o'clock last Friday evening that the students got informed that the classes were moving online. That was too late. That decision should have been taken. And like in the Vintners Federation uh, meeting with ministers here, like I flagged that uh, five, six weeks ago to ministers. That decision should have been taken five or six weeks ago to, to inform them. And then, look, to be fair, the students may have stayed at home. They mightn't have travelled here to the city and to other cities. So like the, the government really need to make the decisions, uh, I suppose, more rapid because the knock-on consequences is where we are here now this week on Tuesday morning staring down the barrel of what's going to come out of the NEFIT and Cabinet meetings on Thursday. And that's the real concern, isn't it, Fiona, that because of the things that have been seen in the streets in the early part of the week and because of the fact that our numbers are consistently going up, another 40 cases confirmed in Cork last evening. The real Mm. worry now is that the city, maybe not the county, but the city will be put into level three on Thursday as a direct result of this carry-on. That's right. And, you know, Michael said to me yesterday that, you know, they've been closed for six months of the year, though the pubs that don't serve food or that hadn't been serving food. And he said they were just getting back into business again. They had hired or they had ordered in lots of stock. Um, and the fear now is that all of that stock will be left sitting on shelves and will be wasted basically and that they'll be losing out more money again and he appealed like everyone else is appealing this week in Cork to everyone to just limit their social contacts maintain social distancing wear their masks uh, follow the public health guidelines and try to prevent us from getting um, a level three restrictions imposed on us here in the city and um, now you did ask me there PJ sorry with the line was really bad but um The UCC, uh, you were saying that they didn't support the decision to hold um, the Freshers' Week. The interim president, Professor John Halloran, did appeal to the Students' Union to postpone the plans for a virtual Freshers' Week. And he's also warned all the students that they could face sanctions, including being expelled from the college if they breach COVID-19 guidelines. Um, And, uh, you know, so... I suppose it shows a bit of a disconnect between the student union and... It's, um, it, it, it reads to me, Fiona, as if the governing body of the college and the interim president of the college, and bear in mind as well that the student union president sits on governing body, that the, gov- the, the, the governors of the college are now gone head-to-head with the student's union. Student's union have been asked by the interim president not to do this uh, virtual refreshers week, and they've just gone right ahead and done it. And... And during the summertime when um, we heard about all this, the student parties along Magazine Road and uh, Connacht Road and College Road, Catherine Clancy, the, the spokesperson for the Magazine Road Residents Association, had spoken to me in an interview about the relationship that they had with the Students' Union, in particular at UCC, and um, the, the student body itself. And she had said that over the past couple of years that they've really built up a strong relationship with them. And they, um, you know, that they understand that there will be parties and events like Freshers' Week and, and Rag Week, but overall that the situation with student parties had kind of um, sorted itself out, so to speak, over the last couple of years and that the parties had reduced in size and number. And she was putting this down to the relationship that they had developed with the Students' Union. 
And you would wonder now, the fact that the Student Union have gone ahead with this virtual Freshers Week, despite calls from the college and the Residents Association not to do it, will that sour the relationship and what's going to happen as the months go on? Now, Nisha Coley did say to me yesterday that he felt that the statement issued by the residents was misleading because they hadn't mentioned anything about the virtual events. And he was adamant that the virtual events are in line with public guidelines. And he did call on all students to abide by the, the COVID-19 guidelines that are in place. And I think there's a tip of that there as well. Yep. Yeah, I think the Residents Association statement yesterday was very misleading. There was no mention of online events in the statement. It gave the impression that these events would be happening maybe on campus or in the city. And I think that's where a lot of confusion has come in the media over the last couple of days. So once again, I just want to reiterate, we launched a public health campaign yesterday, uh, along with the USI, the National Body of Students, uh, Ronan Glynn, the Chief Medical Officer, and Simon Harris, encouraging students to stay safe uh, and, and stay socially distant. That, you know, the, the comment is that People can socialise, but you must do it safely. This is the new normal, and we must look at alternative ways uh, of, con- uh, of, of meeting each other without congregating in large crowds. Yeah, it's going on, and whether he likes it or not, and whether the Students' Union likes it or not, it, it is going on. It is, yeah. And I mean, we've had Monday and Tuesday night now, so we're kind of into the middle of the week, and it'll be interesting to see now if there are any more student parties or large gatherings over the next couple of nights, and if they can still defend that and say that it has nothing to do with the virtual Freshers' Week. Um, so we have to just watch and see, I suppose, what's going to happen over the next couple of nights. Okay, okay, but we, we know. Thank you, Fiona. Fiona Carkin, our senior news reporter. We know that Gabby have been responding to a number of call-outs, five in particular, on Monday night alone, five house parties. Now, they've declined to comment on any particular case. To us, that is that is their right. But we know the guards have been called out to parties. We know from the photographs and the videos we're getting from inside town that there are huge gatherings. And here's the question, and before anyone comes down on me here for having it in for students, I haven't. I haven't. But the simple thing is that interim president of the college... Professor O'Halloran asked the Students' Union to call off that virtual refresher week. He asked them to cancel it. And they've gone right up ahead against him and said, no, sorry, it goes ahead. So there definitely is a battle of wits going on between the president of the college and the UCC Students' Union. And we could all end up in level three in the city as a result of it all. As a direct result of that kind of carry-on, we could easily end up in level three. And yes, do I blame the events of the last four or five days if we end up in level three, partly at least, not entirely, but in part on the events of the last few days, if anything, to try to control them. Willie, good morning. Good morning, PJ, how are we? Not bad, boy, not bad. What are you worried yeah. about? No, the reason I'm ringing, the, uh, I forgot the other one, he said it, but it's coming out to it. Like, I'm actually, at the present moment, the local of mine, that's not fair for where I live on the north side, when it reopened, that don't sell food, like a wet bear, as you call it, yes. right? The system up there at the moment is absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm not going to name the bear, right? But the story is when you walk into the bear, you wear the mask. When you go to the bathroom, you wear the mask. And when yeah. you go to the smoke room, you wear the mask. Yeah. When you come in, then you sit down. There's table service dentists brought out to you, give them your money. He comes back with your change. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Now, as you're saying there, we're all in parties going on there with the college students. They're spying the system the whole lot again. That they never ever get, we're going to level three and never, all them wet bears will be closed down again. Mm. And as you're saying, coming up to Christmas, this will be a complete disaster to them. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think there's wrong where the students know. As you're saying, you're not blaming the students completely, but we're all host parties. The concern has completely gone over the line altogether. It's absolutely no, ridiculous. T- to, be, to be fair, Willie, mm. there's a lot of 
there is some blame to the students and there is some blame to the people gathering in the streets Monday night, Tuesday night, Sunday night. But yes. there's also an amount to be said for people having big communion parties and confirmation parties. Someone I know was only telling me the other day the number of bouncy castles they saw on a quick trip around the city at the weekend. And there wasn't That's three right. people inside in those. Marquees right. in back gardens. We know it's happening. Do it just happening in the north side as well. You've got uh, you know, bouncy castles outside the gardens and everything, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the kids are jumping around and everything. There's not, no masks or nothing. I know where you're coming from, yeah. You know so not mean? just the students. Yeah. There's a lot of carry on going on here that people have just been told, please don't do it. Already what you got now is, and we'll be talking about later in the programme, <clears throat> a lot of confirmations being urgently rescheduled so we don't get hit with level three. And what that, what's that about? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's another disaster. Like, you know what I mean? You know? But like, uh, the point I'm bringing down like, is that the majority of the weapons, anyway, that are after opening, I, I'm only in it one or two, do you know what I mean? But their system in there at the moment is absolutely fantastic by wearing the mask. You haven't got a mask on you, you won't be served. Do you know what I mean? And plus this bear as well, which is a local of mine, if there's 30 people in the bear, which is the limit that they're allowed from the, the health service, right? The, the, the doors are closed, you knock at the door, they're not left into the bear, there's 30 in there. Do they allow the queuing, Willie? And when one goes out, one can come in. Do they allow queuing? Do they what? Do they allow queuing? No, you know, like you, if you stop to yourself, if you want to queue outside, you think to get in before they come out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just go away somewhere else, you know, kind of way, to a bear serving food, where you'll have to buy food to get a pint, you know? Yeah. But the, the, the point I'm coming to is that I think to be most of the wet bears know that are after opening, they're after coming into the system, they know what they have to do, or otherwise they're going to be closed down again. When nobody's jumping back, like I was looking at the news last night, and what I see up in Galway there, where all the students was absolutely ridiculous altogether. Yeah. Yeah. The big gathering that was up there was uncreated. You, would, like, you, you wouldn't see that at a soccer match or in all Ireland. The way they were standing outside the places and they were having a whole of a load, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So there's no respect for the government laws or anything like that of the health service that's trying to get, get this. Because if there's a second ep- epidemic in there, a second wave, I tell you, people are going to be... There'll be a lot more than bail stores, though. That's, that's the worry, isn't it, Willie? And some of them will never open again. Thanks very much, Willie. 1850-715-996. Who's logging on to these online events? Numbers are very low, I bet. Well, they will... They, whatever software they use... I got the name of it the other morning. Twitch, they call it or something. That can tell you how many people are logged on at any one time. Siobhan in St. Luke says, Do you really think the students listen to anything the Students' Union says? I bet if you saw the attendance figures online for the Students' Union events, there'd be maximum in the hundreds. Most of the incoming students aren't even aware the Students' Union exists. And they won't have any interest, even when they are. Makes zero difference what the Students' Union does. Not the point, Siobhan. Not the point. The college asked the Students' Union, cancel the virtual Freshers' Week. And the Students' Union said, nah, sorry. Sad you. We're going on with it. You, they could have shown a bit of... a modicum of... Solidarity with the college in trying to genuinely clamp down on this carry on. And even if it was only optics that should have done it, I don't care what you're saying. Mario says, PJ, we're all making predictions about certain things that are going to happen. I listen every morning. You have professional people on predicting certain scenarios. The horse keeps bolting before decisions are made. I'm like many sick of carrying those that are constantly breaking the rules and those. That, that not many decisions on shutting down. Oh, I don't get the last bit, Mario, but I take your point. You're sick of carrying the blame for others. Yeah, there's a lot of it going on. What's happening is that the many are being punished for the sins of the few. You can go out on your streets Monday and Tuesday night, you'll see the sins of the few, but the many will be punished for it. You can go around and see the marquees and the bouncy castles and the big communion parties, 
That's the few. The many will be punished for it. The confirmations, the many will be punished for it. You know, you can't do these big things at the moment. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie It's really important we continue our efforts to stop the spread of coronavirus. New government guidelines have now made mask wearing mandatory in shops, supermarkets, shopping centres and on public transport. Retail staff must also wear a mask, unless there's a two metre distance or a partition. Disposable masks should only be worn once. Cloth masks should be washed daily and multiple masks should be used in rotation. If a mask becomes damp or wet, it's no longer effective and should be changed. Remember, when touching your mask, wash or sanitize your hands. Help stop the spread of coronavirus and stay safe. I've been trying to keep my distance. Keep up to date with the latest COVID-19 information at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96fm. My father is 90 years of age, says this text message. He has a second lease of life because the bars are open again. He has a life-ending condition, but he's quite lively and quite healthy at the moment, although we know that he's near his end. He meets his friends for a game of cards. I'm really furious at these college students. Just as we get the wet pubs open again, they're risking it all. Now, someone else who's got a text or a phone number, an 087 phone number, and ending in 291, maybe text Tracy again, because you won't get her here to tell her you love her. Okay, nice message, but wrong number. 1850-715-996. To Skibbereen, where an investigation is expected to get underway into the cause of a major fire. It was a fire at the former convent. Now, it has been substantially extinguished, or was, late into the evening. But fire crews were on scene until nearly 11 o'clock yesterday and the alarm was raised just after four o'clock. Jack McCarran is digital manager of the Southern Star and Jack I think you were one of the first people on the scene. Good morning. Good morning yeah at around um, 4pm I was actually just making my way back to the Southern Star offices. I just popped out to the shop and I noticed black smoke coming out of one of the windows of the convent so you know naturally enough I parked my car and went for a closer look and um, at that stage the fire it see looked quite small you could only make out flames and smoke from one of the windows and there were already around three people gathered and I asked them if they'd already contacted the emergency services and thankfully they had so yeah. it was about five minutes later when the emergency services arrived on the scene. It's been in the news recently because it was bought wasn't it? Um, yeah just last week we carried a report in the Southern Star that Cork County Council had granted the planning permission for the 10 million redevelopment of the complex the owner and prospective owner who agreed to buy the buildings subject to the, to the planning permission being granted we're not available to give the Southern Star a comment yesterday afternoon, but Paul Collins, Chief Executive of Remcall Capital Limited, told the Southern Star last week that construction, which would include residential, commercial and community elements, was due to begin in May 2021. Right, that'll put the kibosh on that now. There's a lot of damage done, won't it? I think there were some people evacuated, were there, Jack? Yeah, so... Um, Obviously, it was a very sad incident for the town, but I have to say I was heartened by the response of the emergency services and some locals who just happened to be in the area. 
the fire brigade and ambulance service were assisted by a number of locals in evacuating the homes in the vicinity, which are mainly occupied by older residents. And I think eight residents in total were evacuated. They were evacuated to the Spearline building, which is across the road on North Street. And the evacuation was carried out due to fears of smoke inhalation, because as you can imagine, there was a lot of smoke in the area. But as I'm aware of, no injuries have yet been reported. Now, a lot of people will have memories of the place because it was a school for many years, wasn't it? Um. It was indeed, like the competent and residents, it has been unoccupied for over 25 years. And despite the building being beautiful from the outside, it was clearly quite derelict and mm. a number of its windows had been broken. But the Sisters of Mercy had been based at the convent for more than 140 years before moving to a smaller premises nearby, as I said, around 25 years ago. Now, I live in Skipperine, but I'm not originally from the town, so I wouldn't be an expert on the history of the convent by any means. But I, And I certainly don't remember it in its heyday. But anyone I spoke to from Skibbereen who did remember it was quite emotional. Joe, many locals would have gone to school there or attended mass there for years. So it holds a big place in the hearts of many. For younger people, it would be more known as just a derelict old convent building yeah. with bags of potential that is now unfortunately no more. And that's the thing, isn't it? That the bags of potential, when you pass it and you look at it, and I was, haven't been in Skibbereen for quite some time, but I remember passing it one of the times I was there and thinking, God, what you could do with that? For, for a town so dependent on visitors and tourism and other such things. Thanks, Jack. That's Jack McCarran from the Southern Star. He's their digital manager. Well, he mentioned that, you know, not in his time. Uh, he doesn't remember the history of it, but someone who does is someone who actually, I think, Karen Coakley, Councillor Karen Coakley, you went to school there, I think. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. No, I'm not that terribly old, really, but just <laughs> to say, I started primary school there in 1976. Right. And in 1982, uh, the school, the primary school relocated. St. Joseph's was the new primary school. It was just a short distance away. Right. What are your memories? I know you were small. What are your memories? It, it was it was fantastic. It was a beautiful memory. I mean, I put up some memories on Facebook last night and the amount of people that shared their memories. Um, you know, one memory was when we were older, when we went to secondary school there, if we wanted to take the shortcut rather than walking down the hill and down North Street, we would go through the nun's garden. But if you were reprimanded, if you were caught, you were in trouble with that. Yeah. Another memory was any uh, girl that would have forgotten her school lunch, she would have been taken into the convent. And as a child going into the convent, I've never been to a palace, but it just seemed almost like a palace. Everything yeah. was so beautiful and clean. Just to see the craftsmanship in there, it was absolutely beautiful. It was an iconic building. Yeah. And, it would you know, have been I really exciting to see it well it. Yeah, it would have been really exciting to see it refurbished and brought back to some kind of its former glory. There is no doubt. I mean, I would say that many people around Skibreen that's environs were possibly going through photo albums last night because all First Holy Communions and Confirmations, all classes would have gathered in the nun's garden, as we called it, after those celebrations. And many, many photos were taken in there down through the years. But it was a place that we respected. And when you went in there, it was almost an honour to be in the nun's garden. It was such a privilege. Mm-hmm. And it really was the heart and the soul of Skibreentown. What, what is it? What were the plan? Was there a hotel involved? There was some retail, some residential. And who owns it, do you know, Karen? Uh, there is a planning in at the moment. Um, I don't think it would be right for me to talk about the planning because I believe that they had to submit some extra information. Um, we actually just got that word um, the other day. So I don't think it would be fair to okay. comment on that now. But there is no doubt there was going to be a very good project there. 
there is no doubt we're short residential, we're short commercial. I mean, just located at the foot of the hill, the Geriatric Society have been doing fantastic work in Skibreen and they have some units there already. So we were going to have more accommodation and it was going to be very exciting for the town. So unfortunately today, we're all absolutely lost. Nobody knows what's going to happen. There's an investigation on the way. And I think it's particularly sad that after 144 years, the extraordinary contribution that the Sisters of Mercy made to Skibreen, that that connection is gone. So we are grieving for it today. Okay. All right, Karen. Thanks very much. That's Councillor Karen Coakley, who went to school at the old convent in the late 70s, early 80s. There's been a lot of fires in the last couple of days. Hasn't that one down in Skibbereen? We've had two in the city, two practically next door to one another, or a couple of doors down from each other in Blackpool. And then we have the, the gatherings on the streets at night and we have the house parties and we have many other things going on that are openly in breach of the, the guidelines that we are hearing coming from the government and coming from Neffet every day. But we haven't got enough guards to go around. The other night there was a lot of talk on particularly Twitter, like where are the guards? Why aren't the guards doing their job? Uh, there was a bit of a show of strength, I think at one point there was some motorbikes went down and some one of the big squad cars went around just to show show face, I think, in the middle of the town. But it would have taken up every guard in the city to try and break up what was going on down there and send them all on the boat their merry way. And then they just go somewhere else and gather. And you've we just don't have enough guards to go around. And one of our local TDs, who's taken up the cudgels on this before, is taking them up again. Sinn Féin TD, Thomas Gould, joins me. Thomas, good morning. Good morning, TD. First of all, I hope you're over your recent uh, health difficulty, Tom. Well, I'm, I'm still on the mend, Good man. So, but uh, I'm doing a lot of work by the phone and on the, uh, the computer, so... Good man, good man. Listen, uh, we're getting there, we're getting there. Good man. You've called for more guards. This call comes out every couple of months for more guards. Well, you see, the, the issue here, PJ, is last year the government made an announcement last April 2019 that there was going to be 20 additional community guards for Cork to tackle antisocial behaviour and crime and to be on the beach, on the ground, which was welcomed by everyone. And there were 32 community girls in Cork then, and there were 36 now. So of the 20 extra community girls that were promised to Cork last year, only four arrived. There, it's like, Peter, you're, I'm listening to your show every day. People are ringing in about serious issues, about criminality, you know, the issues there about fires, about arson, about antisocial behaviour. We have to have Gary on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, like, PJ, I had a serious incident yesterday where a person contacted Gary in Granabraha uh, about an incident uh, looking for the Gary to respond. The Gary had only one car on the cart in Granabraha station yesterday afternoon, and it took 20 minutes for them because they were actually transporting the prisoner to get to the incident. 20 minutes. So, like, the Gardaí, they're short numbers, they're short cars, they don't have the resources, and any time we raise it in the doyle or we bring it up with the minister, we're told that um, we're we're making a mountain over Molehill. We have serious Mm. issues in Cork. Would you believe that... uh, What they consistently say, and both the the Simon Coveney, the former Tonishta, and indeed Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, have both sat in, in this studio with us and said, well, that's a matter for the commissioner, where they go. Well, you know, the next time Simon Coveney on behalf of the PJ, would you ask him to explain to you and to your listeners why 
Cork was only five more community gardens than Limerick, and we're double the size, double the population of Limerick. Like, is it a case that Willie O'D and other people down there have campaigned harder to get more girls on the ground? Because we have serious issues of law and order in Cork. Mm. And Gardaí, rank and file Gardaí have told me that they don't have the resources. Would you believe that I was, that from what I can gather, from what I believe, the community Gardaí in Granabraha have no care to vote and do their job. So what is the point in having community girls that can't go out and meet with, like the whole point of the community girls is that they would be out, they would Young people who get involved with criminality and antisocial behaviour. Nipping it in the bud, as it were. Yeah. yeah. And just and sitting above waiting for a car to come back. Like, we have serious issues here. And we have Merton and Simon Coveney need to explain to the people of Cork what are they doing. All right. Thomas, you've also mentioned Halloween. Now, we already have a problem with fireworks. Now, as was revealed on the opinion line a week or so ago, there is a. a campaign called Operation Tombola has been set up by the guards to clamp down on illegal fireworks. Con Cadigan told us that last week. But sure, if you don't have the man the manpower, you can have all the operations in the business. You see, Peter, this ties into everything we said about community guards, right? Like, if you ask anyone in the city, in particular the community I represent, fireworks have been going off for the last six or seven weeks. Right? This, they actually started in early August People, like, we actually, Sinn Féin launched a campaign nationally to find out what the effects it was having on people. People are being terrified in their homes. Well, I, spoke, I spoke to them, people above in, in the Glen, and they're afraid to go out in their garden. They're afraid to put out their bin. When they hear a bang, they duck. Like, that's crazy, yeah. carry on. I was actually in Dublin the week before last, and the, the, the fireworks were so loud, I actually thought it was an explosion. I'm, I'm not joking, no. This is 10 o'clock at night. I was coming over to Leinster House, and I actually thought, that's how bad things are. But, like, Peter, if you don't have girls, and what, what we are being told now is that after 7 p.m. at night, community girls aren't in operation. So, like, do they think that young people or the people who are doing this are going to, wait, are going to stop at 7 o'clock at night because they... The Gardaí won't be there to patrol it. It's, it's a crazy, ludicrous situation. The girls need to be on at 7, 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. They need to be on the ground so people can see them. And the other thing then, PJ, is people are nervous. Some people are nervous in their homes. They're nervous about the fireworks and the antisocial behaviour. If they could see girls walk on the beach, see, salute the girls. You, like, I remember growing up in Churchill in Akmahini. You knew the girls by name, their second name, you know? Like, uh, there was, there was a, a, a detective at the time, uh, Wiley, and Flan. everyone yeah. was... Know him well? <laughs> yeah. Know him well, great friend of my father's, yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it, PJ, you didn't want him to know you. No, you didn't. <laughs> Grandfather, but you didn't want him to know you. Tom, I get, I get your point, and you're going to bring it up with, with Helen McEntee. Just before I have you, or just while I have you, rather, something sinister is afoot, we think, in Blackpool. We, we had a fire in three degrees, and I spoke to a very heartbroken owner, Kira, and then, less than a fortnight later, we had another fire a couple of doors down in a barber shop, and we are hearing sinister rumours. Now, that's as much as we're hearing. Do you know anything? 
Yeah, PJ, I'm like yourself. I've heard a, a lot of rumours, some of them very serious. Uh, like three Sinister is the word I'd use rather than serious, Tom. Sinister. Yeah. Like, three degrees. Had, like, th- those girls were very well liked. They had great trade. You know, like, same with the Barbers. Like, it's an absolute shame what's after happening to these young girls. The other went away, set up their own business. But, PJ, it comes down to this. Like, no rest. The investigation, how many, how many girls are on Like, if you have two serious incidents incidents of arson, which is what is, it, the investigation is at the moment, right? They need, like, people need to know that they won't get away with this. But unfortunately, at the moment, the criminal elements in this city believe that the Gardaí are so short and so under pressure that they can get away with what they want. And to me, to my mind, the Gardaí should, should come in now, have a zero tolerance approach, track these people down and give them the full rigours of the law and send out a clear message to people that Cork will be tough on crime. All right. Tom, leave it there. Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin uh, TD for Cork North Central. As I said, I wouldn't dare voice the rumours we're getting because they are just rumours. But Fergal's doing the legwork off air and they're very serious. They're sinister, actually sinister rumours about what's happening or what might be happening in, in Blackpool. Mag says, with reduced intake numbers in Templemore due to COVID, I imagine it'll be some time before Cork gets any significant allocation. I'm open to correction, but I think current intakes are a max of 75 to facilitate proper social distancing in the college, which I guess you've got to do that too, like 1850-715-996. Let's read this email that came from a person describing themselves as a former UCC student. And this is in relation to, and in particular picking up, I think, on... Will I hold on to it? I will. Okay, I'll hold this on to after 10. Uh, because this something else that came up was the changing of the timing of confirmations. We've had reports that given that we might end up in level three at the weekend, probably will end up in level three at the weekend, a lot of confirmations on some communions have been urgently brought forward at the last minute so that we can get them done in time. I'll address that one next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Everyday essentials, fresh bakery and Asian foods. Open every day till late. The Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Blackpool Shopping District. Thanking you for being there when they needed you most. Pure Cork. Pure local. Pure Blackpool. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Right, the dogs in the street have known for the last few weeks that there's a lot of reshuffling going on, urgent reshuffling of confirmation days and communion days, confirmation days and communion days that were supposed to be held in April and May were obviously cancelled as a result of COVID and now everyone's trying to get the confirmation done, trying to get the communion done and you can understand why. 
But with rumours of Level 3 coming at the weekend, there's been some fierce shifting around of dates. And Dee, we've been getting calls about it. Yeah, we've had a couple of calls and contacts from parents in a particular school. It was the, the school, um, Skull and Tiley Nefa in Ballyfihan. Um, their confirmation was due to take place um, later in the month, but it's from the, on the 12th of October, but it's actually been moved to this coming Friday. Um, so the caller who contacted us initially thought it was absolutely ridiculous. She said we were trying to avoid lockdown um, but and the priest had told them that due to COVID increasing they wanted to go ahead with the ceremony. She felt this was totally contradictory to what the CMO had said. Um, they had already been told they could only bring two people with them so it is taking place in a very responsible yeah. socially distant fashion and obviously you know they're at pains to make sure that that is the case but she just felt she said even with two you know say two adults with each child that's excluding siblings who presumably are going to have to be minded by somebody else. Um, it's excluding grandparents obviously and all of that that's still 100 people in the church um, and she just wasn't comfortable with that she said you know now we have to go shopping to get the outfits because we hadn't got them yet she said we have to go and get the hair done uh, all of that but we're supposed to be reducing our contacts she said we have to have some sort of meal and now it's going to take place on a Friday when places are busier she felt it was going by the letter of the law rather than by the spirit of it she yeah. said we were supposed to sit down as a family on Sunday night and reduce the number of contacts we had as a family and now this whole week is going to be spent out and about making contact with people. She said, I know a lot of the other parents are delighted, but I don't think this is a good idea. It's going to be a sad occasion in any case with no music, no prayers of the faithful, granny or sponsor can't come and no siblings. She said, all these kids are just started in first year. They're having a terrible six months, but she said they're doing their best to settle into secondary school. So I think probably we'd forgotten that a lot of these confirmation kids are actually even gone from primary yeah, school. Yeah. Um, so this is a, you know, it's it's all out of whack anyway. Um, so she said, I think we should be happy to wait. They're not following the rules. I am not trying to meet anyone this week and they've just tried to increase my contacts by 96. Yeah. Now, obviously, as I said, um, they are at pains to make sure that people are sitting at a distance in the church and yeah. all of that. Other people who have been in contact with us about this, who've had um, communions and confirmations in the last while, have said that it was very carefully managed. Well, well I, I know of one confirmation in my immediate circle, shall we say, that has still not got a certain date because the church that they would want to use is too small for the numbers. So they're looking for a bigger church. The bigger church is booked out. Yeah. Can't get into it at all. So there is a problem. The diocese issued a statement, didn't they, on moved confirmations. They said since early September, rescheduled First Holy Communion and confirmation ceremonies have been taking place. These have been much smaller ceremonies, mostly with the child and their parents or guardians present. They've received widespread appreciation and many have remarked how simple, personal and spiritual the smallest ceremonies have actually been. And they go on to talk about par- parishes having additional ceremonies. The small number of remaining ceremonies will be affected if Cork is moved to level three of government restrictions and will be deferred again. The hope is that tighter restrictions will only be in place for a short period and remaining ceremonies can take place when they're permitted and it's safe to do so. Ceremonies are arranged locally by parishes, schools and families working together. The main thing is we all do our bit to reduce our contacts and support one another. Now, what I get from that is the diocese are not saying to individual parishes, don't be moving it to avoid restriction. No, they seem to be leaving it up to the individual parish. Um, we did contact the priest as well, um, Canon Murphy. Yeah. Um, Fergal spoke to him on the phone and he said, you know, it, he actually um, didn't mind when it was held. He said it was gone. It, it was decided on by the majority of parents' wishes. He said, this situation has been caused by people not distancing. It's chaotic and we have to respond to it. That God is very important. We have to ensure that this is a part of children's lives. And um, he just felt that it was important that it happened and the date was not his decision. He said, 
he declined to come on air saying yeah. that there, there is no issue there. So obviously um, our initial caller is not in the majority, they are in a minority but another parent in the same school did contact us in the same situation um, and I, I would question whether it's a case of um, you know there being more um, a, a quiet minority there who is maybe which is maybe more substantial than, than mm. people realise. There's another thing too and you know you might only have a very small uh, very socially distanced ceremony and a lot of people will just have a quiet lunch afterwards. I saw myself on Saturday and I thought it was both lovely and quite sad at the same time. There's a little boy just having made his Holy Communion with his parents and nobody else. His his communion treat was a big bowl of chicken wings and a huge pint of coke. You know, and like at a time when he should have his granny there or his yeah. uncles there or his friends, they were doing it right. But you can't trust everybody to do it right. No, you can't. And um, this this other parent who contacted us said, um, I don't want to go public on this as my child is involved. We've been notified this morning that the 12th of October date, this was um, Monday, I think, that has been pulled forward this coming Friday. It is outrageous and completely defeats the purpose. I would be so grateful if coverage could be given to this. Also, four days notice for working parents is wholly unacceptable. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who actually will have great difficulty even you've got to root out your whole this. day for yeah, this yeah uh, it's a knee jerk reaction should be stopped in its tracks the school just wants it off the table I rang the priest this morning and he was totally open to pushing it out to a time in the future the email from the school made out the priest wanted it on Friday not so and from our dealings with him that would seem to be the case mm. um, I simply can't understand how schools are allowed to do this putting working parents under unnecessary pressure on top of flouting government guidelines it's simply not acceptable mm. we're working 10 hour days and doing it for any window to prepare this week I was going to use the coming weekend for that also we are both from outside of Cork so this means no extended family can be here with us we rang the school again after I spoke to the priest but the school are adamant it's going ahead it's beyond me says this yeah. person and I know I know our Canon Murphy well I know I'm of old and he's not a man who'd force it on anybody no, he would say do it when we can do it yeah and from the sound of things um, it does sound like from, from what he said to Fergal there is a majority of parents that were happy in both groups to go ahead with it but obviously there's a substantial minority that aren't happy and I suppose the thing about this is you can't decide to not you know just not go The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM it's amazing you start talking about stuff that people are kind of afraid to talk about and you start getting calls that people would otherwise be afraid to make like or text like this person works in hospitality and says, please don't give out my name. My boss will be listening. Uh, we at work have over 250 people booked in between now and Friday because of the imminent level three lockdown. Last Friday, we had just 80 for the week. Please don't call out my name and there's a lot of stuff being rushed to get it in uh, before Friday I'm personally and this is a cards on the table moment I am supposed to attend and I'm looking forward to attending a wedding party on Friday afternoon for my good friend Gareth O'Callaghan and and his lovely wife Paula and it will be following all of the COVID-19 restrictions I've been speaking to them they're going to follow all of the guidelines we'll all be properly distanced it'll be a crowd within the allocated numbers and we'll be spaced out in the allocated way on Friday. I'm looking forward to that, but I can't say that for everybody else that's having stuff in, in advance of the weekend. And and you're kind of defeating the purpose if, if you're rushing to do it. And I know that lots of people want to get the confirmation done. They want to get the communion done. They want to get the big birthday done. They want to have the 21st birthday party that was supposed to happen Saturday. They might try and shift it now to Friday. You see, you're kind of defeating the purpose. 
1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. Julie has been listening, I think, for quite some time now, Julie. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How did I like to I'm say? I'm totally in agreement with you, and you just said the whole thing there. This COVID thing, I usually ring you about missing dogs and cats and... Yeah. Yeah. But this time, I completely... I listen to you every morning, and you make the most sense. But what you, you just said there, this... That's not a compliment, PJ. It's, it's just how it is. Don't get... Don't get complimented. Mm. What I said is well, that people it's rushing morning. to reschedule stuff, you know, it's, it's, not, it's going this, against the spirit of the thing. This is, this is, listening to you this morning, this is why I'm ringing you. Because if people had a small bit of sense, PJ, what you just said there, you had your wedding, you had your do. We'll call it. Well, it's, it's planned do. for Friday afternoon. I've been invited to it and I'm honoured to be invited yes. to it. But it will and be very COVID compliant. Very COVID but compliant. It will be. It will be. And you're willing to go to that. Did you check, PJ, if it was COVID compliant? I asked the people involved. I know yes. the people involved. I know it will be COVID compliant. And you're willing to go to that because, because it is COVID compliant. Because you're willing to look out for others. Here is my problem, PJ. You have by wonder. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, I have a son. He suffers from epilepsy. He has a few health problems. Mm. He is the love of my life, as is by wonder the love of your life. Mm-hmm. Now, I should point out, he's, healthy, he's healthier than the average horse. So that's just <laughs> worth putting it up there. <laughs> The photos you put up, I, I do actually look at the photos. Yeah. He is healthier. And do you know what, PJ? He has the appetite of horses as well. You, you tell me, you try feeding him. But I know what you mean, we're protecting the likes of him. I'm protecting my yes. mother, I'm protecting everybody else around me because yes, I know. exactly. As I was my saying yesterday, son, you don't want to be the person who brings it home to someone yes. who can't hack it. Yes, yes, PJ. Now, here's my situation. I have been in and out of hospital as... Jesus Christ, I'm sure I've been on here often enough. I've finally been diagnosed. I have two different forms of arthritis. Plus, I have a vitamin B12 issue in that. Vitamin B12 people, um, vitamin B12 between 600 and 900 picograms. (laughs) I even know what that's healthy. I'm 48. Yeah, it's way, low, way too low. You need to mind yourself. Yeah. You really do. So I'm I'm looking after myself. I'm doing all this, right? But I have to kind of, you know, be aware that I may be susceptible to picking up COVID. Yeah. I know my, my, what would you call it? My, um, I may be susceptible yeah. to... You might I'm be all right, but you don't want to chance it. You might be all right, but you don't want to chance it. You don't want to take a chance with it. Exactly, exactly. But not for me, PJ. Not for me. 
what about my son? Mm. What about his girlfriend? What about your son? What about your wife? Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. This is why I'm ringing, because it's fine for me to say, oh, I'll put on a mask, I'll whatever, right? Mm. And people seem to see that as, oh, I'll protect myself. Mm. I don't see it, PJ, as <laughs> I'll protect myself. I see no, it as... It's, it's all I about, it's not, it's not just about protecting yourself, uh, Julie. It's about protecting Others and thinking of the person, Julie. I leave you go there because I'm flying. And thank you so much for the kind words because you're, you're, you're great to ring and look after that B12 thing. Look after yourself because that can be serious. Mind yourself, Julie, and thanks a million. But the point she's making is the point that I've been trying to make here for the last few mornings. And I know, I know that there's a certain amount of people think that I'm just over egging the pudding. I don't care. This is a pudding that requires a lot of egging. I've been listening to Jerry Killeen since day one, and when I mention his name, people go, oh, good. He's been right. Right since day one. So has Tomas Ryan, back in the news. He's been right since day one. I'm listening to the people who've been right, not the people who've been making up as they go along. The thing that you've got to do is you've got to mind the vulnerable person in your circle. Do you really want to be the person who has a mild illness, and it's okay, you'll be grand? I was watching another doctor on primetime last night, this Dr. Feely. For most of us, it'll be a very mild illness. And that's grand. But do you really want to be the person who drops that virus into the life of someone who can't hack it? Do you want to be that person? 1850-715-996. Why don't they do the sacrament side of confirmation and stuff in school and later on the parents could hold a celebration for the social side? I don't think the schools or the church have any choice really because they have to teach the kids, they have to have them ready for it, and it's a landmark in a child's life designed to make them more aware and interested in the church. The social side is secondary. Yeah, yeah. Too busy was the response of Gardaí when contacted by a resident of an estate where an all-night party was going on following a communion. An all-night party after a communion. Like, hello. 1850 I'm holding on to that... UCC student email. I will get to it. We're just a, a bit back in the schedule, so we'll do it in a while. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying. Done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie a lady or lad behind the counter who's filling your 99 to put the flake into the cone push it down into yeah. the wafer then top her up with ice cream Ellie and Rian I taste your I tried the ice cream the chocolate down the lady in the shop gave me a, a chocolate on the top well that's incredible they got double, double flake. chocolate I'm okay now he needs to step in and let us know <laughs> oh, hang on, whoa, 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 hang on a second now. That's copyright. Yeah, oh. it's the cutest boom shakalaki you'll ever hear. Boom It's the second cutest. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, anytime we talk about East Cork, 
on the programme, one of the things that comes up consistently is the state of the Fota Road, the ongoing state of the R624, the road to Cove and Great Island. Now, it's being raised in the Dáil tonight um, by Deputy David Stanton. David, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You've had an opportunity to raise this on topical issues. We've been have about four minutes to, to make the point. That road's been in need of upgrade, improvement, call it what you will, for a long time now. It has indeed. A certain amount of work was done on the road between um, Belvedere Bridge and Carrigtool there a number of years back, and they improved it and widened it a little bit. But the volume of traffic now on that road, and we're really concerned about the bridge itself at Belvelli. It's a uh, bridge was built in uh, 1803, I think, and um, it's not. It's obviously it's, it's a beautiful structure and, and so on, but not fit for purpose anymore. And then when you go over that bridge and you're turning right to go in into Cove along with the coast there, it, that road is really, really very, very poor. So uh, I raised it last night. Uh, I think the minister, Minister uh, Ryan, was came into the door last night around ten o'clock to um, engage with me on it. And uh, it was a good engagement, I must say. He did agree to look at the file. Cork County Council are very, very keen to uh, upgrade that road and, and they're working on it at the moment, uh, drawing up plans and so on. And as you know, the area, PJ, it's very sensitive. You're, you're, on, you're on the water there, so it's an area of special conservation. You also have a lot of beautiful stonework with Belvilly Castle recently. So, and this to be done you know, recently, really well done. Anything to be done that has to be done very sensitively for all kinds Is of reasons. Is it not time, though, David, to think of another way onto the island? I mean, as the population of the island increases, one way on and one way off, you mentioned the bridge which is really old, like supposing, God forbid, supposing we had a bad storm or we had another storm of failure and that bridge fell. Supposing that happened. Yeah, I raised that last night with the minister and I made the point that that happened with about 15,000 people virtually cut off from, from the rest of the, out, out the island, from, from, from the mainland, as I call it. And, and that would be tragic. And on top of that, we've had a, we've had a number of accidents and, and on that road over the last while. And, you know, it has led to major delays um, with, with car crashes and so on. And then we have had to think of emergency services getting, getting in and out too. And then we have people living there in Belvelli and who are living right on the edge of the road. And, um, you know, you have all this traffic passing them. You know, there's no place for them to go. If they come out their door, they're right on the traffic, if you will. And then, like, Was cyclists, it never thought of, David, on. with all this flashy road that now goes from Cork most of the part down to Watford, was it never thought to put a, a more modern connection off that road into the Great Island. Yeah, there was a bit of work done, done in say, about maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, but it, it, it didn't get very far at the time. Obviously, we did an economic crash and there was no money there. But now is the time, I think, to start planning this. And you must recall, remember that e- even if we start planning this today, the planning of this is for such an year that's so yeah. sensitive, it will take time, and people will have to be consulted. You did mention uh, the possibility of another uh, alternative access on the island, and people have been, been speaking about, we'll say, having a road parallel with the rail link and, and others as well. So the, the council at the moment are investigating every option to see what's possible. But I suppose the bottom line, PJ, is that we really need to develop a, a proper uh, road infrastructure because, yeah. as I said last night, Moina Pai now is being developed. Uh, you have, uh, you have, you know, the Spike Island is, is I think, was top in, in the world, in Europe a number of years, years ago. Yeah. So we have 81,000 people visiting that. A lot of people come to Fort and, and uh, the hotel yeah. there and the uh, Wildlife Park, and then they go off into Cove. And Cove itself, thankfully, because of the, of the, 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 the people down there, oh, yeah. they've done great yeah. work. It's looking beautiful at the moment. And as I said last night, it's like Costa del Cove when you look out onto the harbour on the, on the great, day, but, and how 
Donegal Bowling now has been completely cleaned up. It looks very well. So and and of course the wastewater treatment plant is going ahead yeah. too down there, which is a major major investment. Which all of this good news and and it is all very positive. Mm. It, it all just underlines the importance of the bridge. And as we head into another winter where there inevitably will be storms and and very bad weather, I worry every winter that that bridge, something's going to happen to that bridge or to one of the roads on either side of it. It's just going to cascade into the water. and that. Surely the first thing that should be done is that the bridge would be reinforced, if not whitened. Well, I'm sure that the council engineers have had that under under control. And I know that there's, there's another bridge further up. The Statty Bridge is reaching to Cali Tool. They've done some work on that in the last number of years. That's a second bridge a lot of people don't know about. Uh, a kind of a causeway, if you will, which is also under pressure. So the whole area needs to be examined and we need to see what can be done. And that's what I wanted to ask Minister last night. Would he take out the file and, and, and personally, he, he agreed to do that. And he did acknowledge that every option has to be looked at. So I've asked him to support or work with the local authority, because County Council. Another option here would be for the the, the road into Cork to be upgraded to a national road um, uh, in status, if you will, and the TII then would be responsible for it, Transport Infrastructure Island. So there are various options that can be done, but, it, but we really need to start on this now. Nothing's going to happen it, quickly, David, as you know. Well, it can't. It, I mean, we have to be realistic about this. It can't happen quickly because it's such an area of sensitivity. You just can't step a, a road and a bridge up anywhere down there because it's th- th- there's a lot going on there. By sensitivity now, are you suggesting that a, a project could be um, given the kibosh, or put on the kibosh by an old frog or something. Is that the kind oh, of sensitivity well, you're talking about? Well, well, I mean, there, there is, uh, we have the harbour down there, we have the, 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 the mud flats, we have all that. And nowadays, we just can't go along and throw concrete. Because you must also remember that, you know, any time you put a major piece of infrastructure in like that, you could have other things could happen as well. I mean, yeah. you could cause flooding and so forth. So what I, what I want is I want this to be taken very seriously. The council are working on it. I want the minister and the department now to back and walk with the council slowly and to, to move as quickly as possible to examine all the options, as you, as you suggest yourself there while ago, PJ, and you're right, and then to move on from there to have a, a, an option that's the best option and then to, to work on that and to move it forward. Okay. Um, it's going to take a while. This isn't going to be fast, but I really want this started. I really want the department and minister to, to support the council and the great work they're doing now and to move it on. Okay. All right. We'll see where it goes over the coming months. And like you said, it's not going to start happening tomorrow. There's no one going on there with picks and shovels tomorrow. It's just heading into another winter. You just hope that the bridge will hold and you just hope that particularly the road, when you come off the bridge and you turn right and you're heading up there in towards Cove itself, that parts of that road are very dodgy like. You just hope they'll hold through another winter. 1850-715-996. Right, let me read that email that we got uh, from a former UCC student who'd prefer not to give their name. And it reads, this sent to opinion at 96fem.ie. To whom it may concern, as you may be aware, University College Cork have been locking horns with the University Students' Union recently regarding Freshers' Week. Freshers' Week is held and promoted every year by the Students' Union and consists of students partaking in events, social gatherings to meet fellow students and collect information about their first year in university. Given the circumstances this year, the UCC Students' Union decided to have a 100% virtual Freshers' Week so incoming students could still enjoy some of what they would be missing out on. It's an important way for students to meet new people and begin to feel more comfortable with the fresh start, which is college. The university usually provides community support during this week, which involves helping students get home 
protecting girls on nights out and providing basic things like water to passing students at night. They usually employ up to 30 UCC students. This year, UCC have cancelled this support, leaving the students' union to have to scramble and provide makeshift arrangements to help support the students who will be out and about, regardless of UCC's stance on Freshers' Week. They've also taken away employment opportunities from the students who would have been part of this support. Interim President John O'Halloran has stated in the Irish Times the university will not be supporting the union's decision to hold a virtual Freshers' Week as it may encourage congregations in houses. This is also a concern from the Residents' Association. Their concern is that house congregations, which have been happening since before the college term ever began, will be encouraged. A virtual Freshers' Week, happening or not, will have no impact on students' decision to meet in houses. The Residents' Association just wants an excuse to stop students from getting together, as they have always sought to do. And the President is trying to cancel Freshers' Week as this is something the university has been trying to do for years. This will help solidify his position to become the next full-time UCC president. If the university really cared about the safety of the students, they'd continue to provide the community support during the week of freshers. Instead of placing all the blame on the students' union and using them as a scapegoat, UCC's plea to cancel virtual freshers due to COVID is disingenuous. They've left the campus pub open, which is fully operated by the university, during freshers and have no problem with students going there to spend their money. At a time where lectures are online, UCC management seems to have no problem opening its own pub during a week which the president has been quoted saying, even though many of the events are online, our deep concern is they'll lead to gatherings. As a former student, I wanted to raise this issue as the students' union does so much for the students of the university and steps up to address many issues. It seems very hypocritical of UCC management to place blame on the union, while at the same time they keep its pub open and welcoming students to drink there during the week, which is of deep concern, to quote the President, kind regards a former UCC student. Now, I can only say I don't know whether the bar is open this week, and I think that on Monday, when I spoke to Beth from the Students' Union, I'm almost sure I put that question to her. I asked her if the college bar was open this week, and I think she said that it wasn't. So that email suggests that it is. And if I remember rightly, when I spoke to Beth from the SU on Monday, she seemed to think that it wasn't. But it would be a bit daft, all right, if the college are saying, don't be having Freshers' Week, and don't be running Freshers' Week, and stay off campus, and yet have the bar open. That would be daft. 185715. 996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. As part of Play It By Ear, the Everyman presents a series of rehearsed readings opening on October 15th with a Marion by Kate Holly. 
the theatre also continues to fly the flag for local theatre makers presenting The White-Headed Boy, a comedy in three acts by Lennox Robinson. Access all areas. 2019 was a landmark year for Stephanie Rainey, seeing her cement her place as a headline act. It included a packed-out show at the Opera House, and Stephanie's now back with a brand-new single and the announcement of her next Cork show, set to take place in Cypress Avenue on February 20th. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. So, you get messages in about confirmations and communions, etc. I know a lot of the communions, this is Sarah on WhatsApp. I know a lot of the communion and confirmations have been pushed forward. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Due to the chance of us going into lockdown again, this, I feel, also has to do with the majority of priests being over 70 and probably having underlying health issues. So they may have to cocoon when Michal Martin makes his announcement on Thursday. Well, with regard to religious gatherings under level three, should we go there? Weddings are allowed with up to 25 guests. Funerals with 25 mourners. All other services have to be online. Uh, under level three. So you may have a point there. Everything other than funerals and weddings have to be online under level three. A few other things in about students and a couple of comments on masks. Oh yeah, just read that one um, about the masks. I'm a driver for Bus Aaron. I do the city routes. We have a problem with the teenagers. They get on the bus with a face mask and then as we set off, they remove the mask and they think it's a big joke. We were told by our unions not to enforce the wearing of face masks. I just wish other passengers would say something to these brats as it causes headaches all round. What is this nonsense? 
I'm hearing it from some shops, people working in shops told, oh no, we can't, we can't enforce anybody to wear a mask. Now I'm hearing from bus drivers. We're supposed to wear a mask on a bus. They can't enforce it. Like, what kind of nonsense is that? It's either a rule or it's not. 1850 Just coming back to students, and I guess I could be accused, I would defend myself to the last breath of my body, but I could be accused of student bashing this morning and maybe yesterday too. But I don't want to be accused of that because I want to be a little bit balanced. Um, there are a number of new graduates uh, from UCC and other colleges who have been doing Trojan work on the front line. And we should remember them. Trojan work on the front line for the last six months. And these are graduates. David Fitzgerald is one of them. Hi, David. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good. Where, where, when did you graduate? Um, 20th of September. Really? Congratulations. Yes. Thank you very much. And what, what kind of work have you been doing? So I've been working in an acute hospital in the Cork City, um, dealing with patients um, who are non-COVID, but who are um, suspected of having COVID. So a variety of work, a variety of patients with differing, medic- differing medical conditions. Mm. What, are, what are your own qualifications particularly? So well, I just graduated now in a general nursing degree from University College Cork. And now I'm based at the Mercy University Hospital. Okay, okay. And what's it been like? It's been tough. It's it's still tough. Um, there's still a lot of, of query cases coming in. There's still a lot of, there is positive cases about. Obviously, Cork in the headlines is getting more and more cases every day, and we're seeing more and more people in, in hospitals with suspected COVID. Um, it's tough, but it's it's always been tough in, in the Irish healthcare system. It's, it's always been busy. It's, it's busier of a different sort now. You're yeah. having to gown up and gown down. Yeah. And obviously, there's extra precaution being put in place. Yeah. So it's it's tough, but it's enjoyable. And that's what I've trained for. Yeah, over it's the what last you got into. Years. It's it's, it's what exactly. You, it's, is it exactly. in in the and how how long have you been actually working on the wards now? So we, um, as intern nurses, went out in January, the seventh right. of January, and right. we worked for a full nine months on internship. So you've been right through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we've also been, as, as undergraduate students, you do a number of supernumerary weeks where you're working for little or no pay from first to third year, and you're, this is where you're gaining your experience. Yeah. So it's been kind of augmented each year. You do yeah. more and more. You're, you're, you're trained to do more and more, so you take on more work and more care. Yeah. And as you get towards the end of your internship, you're progressing into becoming a, a staff nurse. Okay. Please tell me you've been getting paid throughout the pandemic. Oh yes, yeah. During the pandemic, we 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 have been paid, we've been paid the healthcare system wage, so it's it's actually been a lot better for us in the sense that we have actually been recognised as being part of the core staff and and actually um, rewarded for that. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you worried for what might happen, having been there through the worst of it? And and thank you for your service through the worst of it. Are you worried about what might happen again if we had this surge and we can't stop this surge? Yeah, obviously there's a concern for myself and obviously for, for all medical staff that if something, if, if COVID starts to come again and the, the numbers are rising and we see we start to see more and more cases in hospital. But I think we are more prepared now than we've ever been before. We've kind of gone through the first the first surge, shall we, shall we say. And yeah. we've, there is procedures and protocols put in place yeah. to kind of prevent that I think even from the happening most, again. Yeah, I think even the most 
experienced personnel, and I'm talking about right up to, to consultants who've been around mm-hmm. for a very long time, even even at the start, they were all saying, what do we do here? Mm, it exactly give you all that. the PPE, it can give you all the guidelines, all the protection you want, but what do we do with this thing? Mm-hmm. Was there a sense of that, that you just have to kind of say, we go in and we do our best? Yes, exactly. I suppose at, at, at the early stages of, of the pandemic, it's, it's, uh, it was a sense of we don't know what we're dealing with. It, it's, uh, it's something that's changing day by day. Obviously, we have standard protocols within nursing and within medical um, medical professionals where we we know when something is infectious, we put on the, the relevant PPE and treat the person still, uh, um, but making sure that we're protecting ourselves and protecting our other patients. So it's it's an element of, okay, this... This yeah. pandemic has now changed. Now we need to put in a further protocol which says we need to wear extra so-and-so. We, we had a huge number of healthcare workers got sick. Any uh-huh. of your colleagues go down with the COVID? Uh, I've known a, f- a few colleagues that have been affected by COVID, not not personally as in someone actually has had COVID, but there have been people in the student world that have had to self-isolate because of suspected COVID from, from patients and from other staff. So there, there is an element of, of that that you get with the job. It really has been a bit of a baptism of fire, hasn't it, David? Absolutely, yeah. So there's, there's probably no intern nurses like ourselves that we weren't expecting this when we went out in January that we were we were going to see a pandemic that was worldwide. But it's, also, it's, it's shaped our nursing career for the future. Talk about learning to drive in fourth gear. Mm, like. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> so we, I wish you could... What's that? If we, face, if, we can, if we can face this, we can face anything. Ain't that the truth? And that's a great attitude. David, like I said, thank you for your service and continued success uh, in what you've chosen to do. That's David Fitzgerald. He's a graduate nurse. Um, and he's working down at the Mercy. Now, Louise Power is... You're working, I think, in mental health services, Louise. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Correct. Yeah, I'm working in the mental health services. And you're a recent graduate too, are you? I am indeed, yeah. Yeah, class of 2020 as well. Nursing? Nursing, yeah. Okay. How has it been? Yeah, um, I, it's it's been hectic, absolutely. Um, I think David, you know, just to echo what David said, I suppose it, we could never, nobody really could ever have predicted this, but certainly not um, in our final year of nursing anyway. Um, and there's been a lot of, I suppose, in the field of mental health, it's the implications um, have definitely been, been different. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of psychological problems that have, have come to surface for people. And yeah, the, the world of mental health has definitely been greatly impacted too. Yeah, yeah, and we've constantly been talking about this on the show and people have been warning, look, you, all the restrictions and all the way we have to live, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to deal with it, but it's going to have a massive implication for uh, men- mental health and I'd like David this is a baptism of fire for you guys mm-hmm. yeah yeah I suppose yeah we're like we're constantly kind of trying to keep ourselves safe from a moving target um, so mental health I, I suppose while we have been imminently Im- impacted on the ground I feel like the psychological implications are, are yet to come as well for a lot of people you know they they can start to kind of manifest early on and you know stress anxiety depression and 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 they can they can you know follow people around so I, I feel like in the next probably year or two is, is when we will start to feel the psychological implications from the pandemic. David was talking about having to do the job with the PPE and the donning and the doffing, as they call it in medical terms. Have you had mm-hmm. to go through that as well? 
We did, yeah, yeah. So it's still very much the same um, in in the field of mental health as well, you know, and which makes our job increasingly different to do because communication is ninety percent of our job. Yeah. Um, and you have, you know, your verbal communication, but you've also got your nonverbal communication, and you know, gathering kind of objective, subjective data through body yeah. language and all of that. It's yeah. really difficult yeah. to do. When you're a lot of your work must be done through direct contact with the person, facial expressions, yeah. looking at the things they're not saying rather than what they're saying. Absolutely. Look, you're, when you're, you're done up in a hazmat suit, like for something mm-hmm. from a spacecraft, that can't yeah. be easy. Yeah, and, and even in terms of, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of be able to reach out a hand for somebody and, and when you're two metres away and you're wearing gloves and a mask, you know, those things, those indirect kind of social cues that we're all so used to doing you know they're all of a sudden gone anymore and compassion is harder to give I think when you're when you're a little bit more uncomfortable yeah was mental health always the area you wanted to go into yeah yeah absolutely it was actually what what was the attraction of that um I suppose like a lot of things really and and when people ask me I'm like you know I always felt like when I thought about the medical field and and nursing and stuff I my my compassion far reached broken hearts before broken legs so (laughs) I love that that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah so yeah I was always always attracted to that side of things Mm. do you love it I do I really enjoy it yeah and I feel very lucky to be to be working with a such a vulnerable population and to be that person that person that gets to be in front of them you know it's, it's a privilege really is are you worried that if we don't get what looks to be a second wave under control quickly mm-hmm. it could be as hard a winter as it's been a spring and summer I think it's definitely going to be a hard winter, you know, and, and seasonal people, I know we kind of jovially talk about seasonal depression all the time and, you know, it's it's definitely out there and with these kind of restrictions now, yeah. it, like there's a blanket kind of fear over people, you know, people are, yeah. are kind of wondering what to do, what not to do and I suppose we're waiting to be guided by, mm-hmm. by the powers above and yeah. when you kind of give give people your control and you've got nothing really left for yourself you know you feel a little bit powerless so and what some people have said to me in my own particular circle was that one of the things that made it easier to get through the really hard weeks mm-hmm. and the really hard months was the fact that for a lot of it the weather was beautiful that's not yeah. going to be the case in the weeks coming ahead it's not at all and you know you're looking at dark days where we might have you know eight nine hours of of of, of light and cold winters and the rain, you know, and it's going to make... And that factors, factors in. That does factor in. Absolutely, it does. I mean, like you, you know, I think like on a sunny day in Ireland, you can feel the energy from people. You can feel the upbeat. Everybody's got a little bit more of a pep in their step, you know, and when those days are not there and when they're gloomy and the the... the the rain is there, you know. It's, it, you definitely feel that energy in the air, you know, and everybody picks up on it. And it's, yeah. it's now it's just got a, something else added to it, which is yeah. again weather is outside of our control, and, and this kind of feels like it is at the moment as well, you know. Where Where are you based, Louise? Um, I'm in the inner city hospital as well, so okay. MUH. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do, and to oh, your yeah, colleagues as well. Fun. Take Thank care you now. for your time. All right, bye-bye. Cheers, that's Louise, uh, newly qualified and graduated nurse uh, of the class of 2020 working in mental health. Actually, I forgot, this is the year of the nurse, the international year of the nurse. It probably hasn't been marked enough given the pandemic and given the implications of 
the pandemic. We were also supposed to call upon Emma Collins this morning, who's another graduate and she's working in the bonds, but she's not available to us right now because why? She's working on an emergency. Thank you to everybody on the front line, but thank you in particular to those newly there. What a baptism of fire they've had in the last six or seven months. Thank you all. Is anyone queuing up or involved or waiting on an NCT at the moment in Little Island? There seems to be, this is a call we've just gotten at 1857 There appears to be a protest of some kind going on at the NCT in Little Island. There's a lot of taxis and school buses down there. Apparently, they haven't been given the four-month extension for the lockdown that everybody else got. Uh, this caller just came across it. And he's as he's in the queue for the test himself. Anyone down there who can shed a bit of light on that? Love to hear from you. On the subject briefly of David Stanton, uh, East Cork TD, Eugene just gave a call. And I was down there for the unveiling of it. And it was a brilliant day and David Stanton was there. Eugene wanted to thank Deputy Stanton for his great support of the Edward Bransfield Monument Project. And you're, if, if you're ever down in that neck of the woods in Ballinacurra near Cline, Go check it out. It's gorgeous. It's a fabulous piece of work. The Edward Bransfield uh, Memorial, a monument down there. And look at the history. The history of the guy is fascinating. Thanks, Eugene, for that. 1857-15996. Bit of news. Uh, good friends of the show. Uh, Iz and Iman from Iz Cafe on George's Quay. We've spoken to Iz many times. Delighted to tell you that they have been named as Cork Persons of the Month for in the latest in the series. Uh, awarded, of course, by uh, Manus O'Callaghan and his judging committee. They've been named Cork Persons of the Month and they'll go into the list at the end of the year for the Cork Person of the Year Award, which is presented around the end of January. Congratulations. 1857 Yesterday we started the subject or the, to talk about club masks on the show. It emerged from a conversation that I had with Niall, I think his name was, but being in Cove last Sunday and looking at people going in and out to a match and he was suggesting that maybe the GAA and indeed other sports clubs could get in on the whole solidarity thing, that if we want to encourage people to do the right thing, like wear masks, then maybe the clubs could come up with their own masks. And we got a lot of people calling us and texting us to say, yeah, we've got them. We've got them. Lots of the Glen have some, for example. I think Nemo either have one or working on one. And there's lots of other clubs we got called. And Ken Dennehy got on to us from Carrigaline United. Hi, Ken. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good. Now, you've got a club mask ready to go, is it? Yeah, it's ready to go, yeah. We have um, I finished them off down yesterday evening, so they'll be, they'll be ready to go in the club shop on Saturday morning. Okay, they have the crest and all that on it. They have the crest, yeah, but it's um, we've done it in conjunction with um, with a charity, PJ. So there's a, a young girl called Hannah, Hannah Hill. Um, yes. I'm sure, I think you you met Anne before her mother. I've spoken to Anne, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. um, so Hannah has a, a very um, severe um, incapacity jaw pain. It's um, I'm not sure the exact wording of what is wrong with her, but um, like she, I think she hasn't had solid food for the last couple of years, right, because of this. Uh, this illness, okay. So yeah, yeah. What um, what it is basically is I've spoken, to, as I said, I've spoken to her mom and and her aunt. It's really serious. And the last time we talked about it, people were horrified at what she's going through. She literally mm-hmm. has no joints left in her jaw. She has no function left in her jaws, and she has to get artificial jaws. And the amount yeah. of money involved is just colossal. It is, yeah. And 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 it was local. Um, 
uh, local girl breeder there. She works in, in Walter's Pharmacy there in Caroline and she got on to us about it. So basically what happened was then there's four ladies that have, have started to make masks, washable masks, um, in the colours of Caroline. Okay, so it's blue and yellow, the blue and yellow. Though. So our ones for Caroline United are predominantly yellow um, with a blue stripe and then they've done them for the guys, well, the, the local GA team as well and I think they're more blue, they're predominantly blue than with the yellow stripe. So we... Um, so we bought them off them. We bought them. We've donated money to the charity. You know, we, we were looking as a club. We were looking to buy them anyway, yeah. and we said this is a nice thing to do. It's 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 helping a young girl. It's um, and as you know, Peter, we're we're a very big community based club. Yeah. So um, we like to help out where we can. So we like we said like we'd we'd kill two birds with one stone by buying these masks, and then Adrian Adrian and Adrian. In, uh, Sports Care Direct was very good and he put on the crest for us um, so um, so they're ready to go and um, like as I say like we've already paid for the mass so um, so the, the money has gone to the charity already you know so it's Excellent. just a matter of um, just getting them out to people now you know so yeah. and if the 100 go you'll order oh, we, more Yes, one hundred percent. So we 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 got fifty adults and fifty kids just to see how we go with them at the start, and then if there's a, if there's a demand for them, um, Catherine, um, who's the girl that got on to me, will, has said there's no problem. They'll make more as many as we want. So, um, and in fairness, to those four ladies, they're doing this off their own backs, free of charge. They're not charging anything. They're getting the um, the material thing donated as well. You know, so it's, yeah. it's 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 a good, it's a nice thing to hear. In, in, in obviously in the current circumstances where people are putting together. To help, um, to help a young girl, you know. Yeah, and it's a big solidarity thing, I think, for clubs. Like you said, and you're right, Carrigdown United is a massive part of the community down there. And to have the clubs involved in the wearing a mask, when we're all being encouraged to wear a mask on the bus, in the shop and all that, and we actually have to wear them in the shop, it's great to have a bit of local colour down there. Oh. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and I mean, this 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 is a trend that we've seen over the years in Caroline, not just with masks, obviously, but in the club colours. I mean, our own club shop. I mean, you walk down the village any stage the weekend or any day, you'll see a Caroline United jersey, or you'll see a Caroline GA top, or you know. So it's as I said, it's embedded in the community. Like you know, we're very proud of our of our club communities and um, and our club colours. Like and, and and this is just an added bonus. This is just an added. Obviously, in the in the situation we are, we're bad, we've been asked to wear these masks. So no, when you can go and come to a match, you can wear your Caroline jersey with your Caroline mask. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's a bit of a novelty as well. So for the younger kids, like you know, that, that, that they might then say, "Oh, look, I'm going to wear the mask there with the club crest," and there then they they will wear them because you know? the youngsters so, are passionate about their sport. They're passionate exactly, about their yeah. Saturday morning training, and they'll wear their mask to be, one, support their club. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, like, it's 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 a nice thing to do. Obviously, from the charity point of view, but yeah. from, from or holy, I mean, we're, we're all trying to beat this bloody virus, you know. So, and anything that we can do as a club, we will do it, okay. and um, to try and prevent um, people getting sick and stuff like that. So, I mean, this is just another, it's another uh, another thing on another string to our bow, like that. We'll, right. We're just going to carry on, with it, you know. Good to see it. Thanks very much. That's uh, Ken Jennehy from Carrigaline United. Mags already delighted to hear Ken and we'll be picking up some of those masks as soon as they go on sale. If you want to find out more about the charity that they're supporting, and I've had um, Hannah's mom on uh, more than once on the show. It's it's a horrific story. She's only 19 and she hasn't had solid food since God knows when. She literally cannot eat and sometimes she's in so much pain she cannot even take the special drinks, nutrition drinks she's supposed to have because her jaw, her jaws are just gone. They're just gone. They're, it's a connective tissue disorder and an arthritis all rolled into one and she has to have surgery 
for li- artificial jaws. I never heard of the like in my life, but apparently it's been done in Britain a few times. They've got to be made first in the US. And that takes three or four months. And then she's got to have the surgery. And there's colossal money involved. If you want to find out more, you can go to GoFundMe.com and search surgery for Hannah. And you'll find out more. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. There was a name I wanted to mention, completely slipped my mind to mention in the last day or two. But I must mention him now um, because his name might not mean a whole pile to you uh, unless you were a regular at the old Cameo Cinema back in the day. And he had another cinema or two as well. But he was also involved in the pirate radio scene in Cork for many a long day. His name was Shay Quinn, or Seamus Quinn. He passed away in the last few days. He had a small Cork radio station called Sunshine Radio, which operated out of the cinema. So he was involved with me in another couple of uh, places that I worked. And he also worked along some of us that went on to national radio. One guy in particular went on to uh, national radio. So uh, Shay passed away in the last few days. And we think of him. I think of a morning where he sat on a cream cake in a studio in Toker and caused ructions. That's my personal favourite memory of Shea Quinn. But may he rest in peace. Nice man he was. 1857-15996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. We've been watching this story for the last couple of days. The news that both Aaron the expressway are cancelling routes right left and centre from the early part of the new year talking yesterday morning with um, the NBRU and, uh, and and their concerns about it and the responses on Twitter kind of took a while to come but when they realised the implications of taking off the expressway route people began to think a bit more about it uh, one or two routes in East Cork particularly Problematic. The Dublin Expressway route, for example, the one that goes through Mitchellstown and Formoy, could be the only one that goes through either town from Cork. Talking to one uh, correspondent of mine who's been doing a spreadsheet on how it'll affect different journey times, one journey in particular will go from 55 minutes to an hour and 40 because of the change. And the, there's a lot of political concern about it. Sir Sir Mackin is with the Social Democrats in East Cork. Sir, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I know that your TD, Holly Cairns, is bringing it up in the Doyle fairly soon. The implications for people going about their daily business is bigger than we would think. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was actually going to start off at that point there that you mentioned um, a moment ago, which is, um, you know, if you look at the alternatives, there's only one alternative in the area, you know, to this route, which is the 245 route. And that adds at least an extra 30 minutes onto the journey. And it could be more depending on traffic, you know, 30 minutes of just, um, you know, kind of average traffic. Um, but it, it's 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 not ideal. You know, it, the, the line that we've been hearing about this, you know, including from the ministers that, you know, there's other uh, services uh, doing those routes. But uh, this particular route, there's no other um, private service that's actually covering that route to Dublin. 
um, you know, there is Cork to Dublin routes, so people from Cork City or Dublin aren't going to be really affected by this because they've got other options like go bus and air coach and the train. Um, but the problem is that people from the towns in particular that you mentioned, such as Mitchestown and Fomoy, are going to be um, much more impacted by this because yeah. it means that uh, for students or workers who are commuting, um, they've if they're going to Cork, they've got a much bigger commute. If they're going to Dublin, um, then they've got no option but to go back to Cork, which is adding you know at least an extra hour thereabouts onto their bus journey. You know to go backwards in their journey to get then get on a bus to to Dublin. You know it really makes very little sense yeah. at all. I suppose for for Expressway, they're looking at it making commercial sense because they're saying that the routes just aren't washing their face anymore. They are, but Expressway, you know, but they're at the same time isn't, um, you know, a private company. It's it's uh, it's a state company, and therefore, you know, the state has an oper- has uh, has an obligation to ensure that people can um, get around wherever they need to go using public transport. You know, that's the mm. that's the point on us having a state-owned transport. So if there are some routes that are are losing money, then, you know, in those cases, we do need the government to, to step in and ensure there's appropriate funding in order for those routes to, to be able to be maintained. What's been said, I, I think, is that the drivers currently operating the routes that are to be cancelled will be subsumed into the regional network and that will be extended. So maybe Mitchellstown for Moy might get better services, local services, as a result. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what I've mostly been hearing on that, and you know, maybe maybe, maybe it's true that there will be some regional uh, extensions. I was mostly hearing that um, you know city routes would be extended and so on, and, and that's badly needed too. I'm absolutely not denying that. Um, but city um, bus users definitely still have currently far superior um, uh, bus services than uh, people outside. You know, I, I I live in the city, but I uh, grew up just outside Mitchestown, so I use the X8 going home, and I can see the difference between the city routes and the... And the the X8 route. is the expressway, yeah? That, that's right, exactly. Now, yeah, and I get that take the example. If you were taking that bus home this evening, you'd go down to the bus office and, and you'd get on it, and how long would it take you to get home? Um, on the expressway, roughly. Oh, 50, 55 minutes maybe? 50, 55. And if you had to take the the slow route, as it were? Uh, yeah, could 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 add anything up to another 30 minutes onto the journey. Wh- which uh, way you would know, you have to go, time. like? Um, so basically it goes through uh, Watergrass Hill and Kilworth and so on. So it it, it, it kind of goes to every other place in, in between the city and Fermine and Fermine and, and Mitchestown, you know, so... Uh, and it then goes on through uh, Ballyprene and Cairn and then on to Clamell, you know. So uh, if you were going further, obviously, to Mitchestown, then you'd be a lot, um, on a lot longer. But if I was just going as far as Mitchestown, it could, end, it could add up to another 30 minutes on to the journey. Which, you know, if, if I'm just, you know, going home for, you know, a weekend or whatever uh, on a Friday evening or a Saturday morning, it's not, you know, it's not ideal, but it's it's not the end of the world. But the reality is that, that could make a huge difference to someone, you know, commuting for either... Uh, college or work you know yeah and um, people do all the time they do absolutely i know i know people commuting for both uh, college and work to cork city um but i know that pe- people 
you know, working in the area, you do often sometimes have to make, you know, business trips and things like that to Dublin and they commute out to Dublin. They're now going to have to, you know, go to Cork instead of just being able to get a, a bus from Richardson. Or even just, you know, if it was, for example, uh, you know, elderly people, I know that a few times my grandmother has gone over to face a family in England she'll get a train or she'll get a plane from Dublin and she get the bus from uh, Mitchellstown up to up to um, Dublin you know but now that would mean she'd have to go all the way to Cork City probably to get the nearest service to Dublin you know because the it, other ones the air coach they just go whoosh, straight up the motorway and they don't they don't bother with the town with the towns yeah, well, Aircoach used to serve um, both from I Mitchestown and they stopped serving from I Mitchestown because they, they now did a, the expressway straight from Cork to Dublin, you know. Uh, and the, the problem is that our, um, you know, our public uh, service, our public transport service, uh, which is Bus Aaron, is, is more focused on the uh, commercial side of it, unfortunately, than, the, than, the, um, than, you know, worrying about ensuring that people in in rural areas are able to get public transport. I mean, the, the reality is that we have a Green Party uh, TD who's Minister for Transport. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the promises... Well, he said yesterday, if I remember rightly, uh, he said that no no town or village will lose out as a result of this, that any town or village that does lose out will kind of make it up to them. He didn't specific, specify how, but he said nobody will lose out. Yeah, and and I heard that as well, but it's it's not very convincing. And when we see, you know, promises made on public transport in the past, um, you know, even when, you know, the Green Party were in government the last time as well, you know, it, really a lot of the promises that were made were never really lived up to. And um, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but um, I, I, I don't feel too optimistic about that, you know, especially when there's no kind of concrete... Uh, um, you know, um, information as to as to how they're going to do that. It feels very much, you know, just off the cuff that oh yeah, we'll we'll ensure that you know we'll make it people up to don't you. lose out or whatever. You know, um, I mean, like there, there was a line in, in the program for government which said that we'll protect and expand regional connectivity and connectivity between towns and villages in rural Ireland. Like this straight away goes uh, against that. So we're already seeing those kind of areas in the program for government being uh, being rolled back on okay. uh, the Green Party website during the general election spoke about, you know, the history of underinvestment in public, trans- uh, public transport has forced people into cars when, you know, we should be encouraging people out of cars onto public transport and, um, you know, it, it's um, it, it's not good enough for a, for a public service to be cut on routes uh, so severely like that. Okay. All right. Leave it there. Saoirse Mackin from the Social Democrats in East Cork. Thank you. 1850 From Oya Mitchellstown looked like being two of the worst affected towns here. Present in the X8 or the 8X, X8 takes about 55 minutes to go either way say to Mitchellstown. But if you were to have to rely on local services and going here, there and everywhere and hither and hither and yon, you could be an hour and a half there. And there's more to that. More of those different changes. Now the Green Party, like I said, Eamon Ryan has said, well, nobody will be left short. He hasn't specified what or how, but that's what he's saying. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96FM. Cork City Partnership is inviting women to sign up for a new course designed to draw on their experience of working in the home and put it to new use. 
beginning in October, Growing Your Potential is a free 10-week online course that supports women who are currently not in employment, but who have many transferable skills from their life experience. The course offers a range of supports from confidence building to working with online technology, networking and interview technique. For more info on the course, check out corkcitypartnership.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, responding to this bus air and expressway story, Dermot O'Leary from the National Bus and Rail Union was on this program yesterday morning encouraging people to lobby their local TDs and their local politicians to seeking something be done to reverse this decision. Fianna Fáil TD for Cork East, James O'Connor. James, good morning. Good morning, PJ. This is going to be an awful um, problem for people in Mitchellstown and Fomoy in particular who try to commute to Cork on a daily or weekly basis. Yes, it is. Uh, I was incredibly disappointed to see the announcement yesterday coming from Bus Aaron uh, about their expressway services. Um, and quite frankly, PJ, I've been on with you before talking about some of the major uh, inadequacies uh, within Bus Aaron's organisation, within the National Transport Authority, uh, and with the structures of Bus Aaron and how they operate. And uh, we, yesterday we started to see the ugly results of that with the cutting of the expressway services, which are the commercial side of Bus Aaron's business. From my perspective, um, as a TD now and when I was a councillor, it was next to impossible to lobby the National Transport Authority to intervene in situations where uh, there was an expressway service issue and we saw that being highlighted over the price. uh, Why was it it impossible? Because the the National Transport Authority tried to wash their hands of anything to do with bus errands, commercial services. So you have two types of services for people who are unfamiliar. You have your PSO system and you have your commercial services, which are under the express, expressway routes. And the inadequacies between both are absolutely staggering. And just a question, uh, James. County Cork. Is it a case that the local routes doing the local runabouts, they are obliged to keep up public service, but expressway is not? Exactly. And what's th- that's wrong, in my opinion. It's completely wrong. And... Uh, Something that I'd like to see happening uh, with the with, with the implementation of the new transport uh, policy document for Cork, which is called the, the Cork Metropolitan Transport Area Strategy, is a bit finally start of a conversation in Cork County and our city about how we could actually actively look at the success of Dublin bus or what that did for the Dublin region and the greater Dublin region as well, because it doesn't just serve Dublin County. It serves the surrounding areas as well for commuters to get in and out. And... You know, that might sound like a, a major suggestion on the radio here, but in reality, when you stop and you start to think, if you look at the, at the Cork Metropolitan Transit Area Strategy, there's plans for numerous park and rides, integration of rail services as well. Mm. I think it's high time we start to think about could we have a Dublin bus of our own in the county? Because from my dealings and interactions with the National Transit Authority, uh, and from my dealings and interac- interactions with senior management and bus there, and that's been nothing short of an omni shambles. Would it not be? What they've said is, and we've forgiven to understand it, that the the resources currently being deployed by Bus Air and onto Expressway will be used to redevelop and extend regional services. So perhaps for my Mitchellstown and other towns like that might get a better service coming to and from the the, the bus office across the road from me here. 
exactly. And that's something we need to aspire to. Like we know that in the budget there's going to be a significant increase in the money. Like there was 300 million already provided towards PSO services. That's increasing up to a value of 460 million. We need to start to look overall in Cork uh, at the whole area around the commuter zones. So the green zone is the, is, is the fair zone for people in Cove and Carrie Tugel. I think for my as well be some degree familiar with that. But that needs to be extended further out into the county because if we want people to get the cars off the road and into buses and utilise these public transport services, I think we need to start offering them a competitive package to get in and out uh, that's, that's actually affordable, which is a huge issue with our public transport. Now, James, you're, you're a, a government TD, of course. Have you been speaking to or have you asked to speak to the Minister for Transport about this? Yes, I have asked to speak to the Minister for Transport about this on two occasions. I've also raised it on numerous occasions with the, with, with two separate ministers with responsibility. So we have the, the minister, a, jun, a super junior minister of state uh, in Hildegard Nocton working on, on logistics with transport. And then you have the cabinet minister in, in Eamon Ryan. And I actually raised this in the doll about, about a week and a half ago around uh, my, my dissatisfaction. That would have been, that would have been pre the, the expressway announcement. Have you been exactly. on to Eamon Ryan on, since? On, yes, I have been on since PJ. Um, any response? You know, it's something I'm very, very familiar with and I'm awaiting a response from him. I'm also awaiting a response for a request for a one-to-one meeting with him as well. Um, and, you know, I think it just comes back to the point that the whole system here is a mess. You have, t- uh, you have Bus Aaron playing two decks of cards, uh, which I think is entirely unfair regarding the PSO services and expressway services. Uh, and the inadequacies between both are, are it's incredible. And to add, add, add insult to injury, you have the National Transport Authority uh, with the, with the, like, like, with puppet strings trying to control the whole situation, yet washing their hands of responsibility when a problem arises. Um, there was a very, very uh, well-documented um, argument between Anne Graham and Mark McSherry and the Public Accounts Committee following on information I had provided to Deputy McSherry uh, last year regarding uh, this and how it's affecting everybody around the East Cork area and, and the North Cork area as well. Um, and, 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 you know, it's appalling to see the responses that came back from the NTA. So from my perspective, I've just been appointed by the T-Shift to the, to the Transport Committee. Our first meeting of the Transport Committee is going to be today. Uh, for people who are listening, I'm going to be raising this with the Transport Committee as well. But just going back to that point, I think it's t- start time, time that we start to aspire towards looking at Cork and get its own allocated PSO bus route system uh, for towns all over the county into the city. I think that we need to show a bit of ambition in the county regarding our public transport. Mm. You know, we have a lot of talk about light rail systems and, and, other, and other additional uh, rail services and new train stations being built as well. Um, but when it comes to buses, I don't think there's enough there's enough um, ambition there from public representatives and from the civil service to, to actually fix the problems we have in Cork. And something I said inside in the chamber, Peter, the last day, if you go down to the Jackish Tunnel in the evening and you stand at Dunkettle Interchange and you count the vehicles that are coming under the bridge to head up to the Fermoy Mitchestown direction are heading back towards East Cork down to my, my part of the world in the constituency. Mm. You're not going to see many buses there. There's no proper public transport system linking up Man, COH, Douglas, all these areas, Ringeskiddy, where there's thousands of people commuting up and down to our health services, our, edu- our higher education institutes and our universities. Uh, the pharmaceutical sector and manufacturing is all down that region of the city. And that's not connected up to the major residential areas around Cork County and around the city area as well in a proper fashion. Uh, and the consequence of that is, is that people are stuck for 20 minutes uh, on, on, the, on the end of in the evening, uh, staring at the tall tower on, on the South Ring Road by yeah. that point. So that's, that, you know, there's no, there's no, I think, collective thinking here on it. And uh, I've called for the, for the, the, the Cork Metropolitan Transparency Strategy to be mm. kind of accelerated 
um, as one of the ways we can try and stimulate growth again in Cork. Yeah. Just looking for a second though at, at Bus Aaron's argument and not taking their side or anything, but they have, you you mentioned and you're correct of course that the expressway is their commercial division, which means that it's obliged that every route shall make commercial sense and, and wash its own face. But but this clearly doesn't. So so they're just being operating as a commercial entity. If people wanted it, they'd use it, wouldn't they? They would, and just to highlight, it's just, it's just an excellent example. I know you're familiar with it, PJ. There might be some people at home listening today who might be not, just to show people how, how, how inadequate these, 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 these services are between the expressway and the PSO. For example, in Yall, where they're both serving the same bus route, um, to a large extent, uh, the, 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 the inadequacies there around pricing are significant between the PSO year, yeah. and expressway. And we saw the fact that the people in Dungarvan, Dungarvan were actually getting 50% cheaper fare than people in Yall to both go up to the, to the same bus stop in Cork at, at, at the bus station. So, you know, like it's laughable really that you have bus there and trying to, trying to t- tell people that they, they know what they're doing when in reality they were charging people in Yall more money to go up and down to, to, to the city at one stage than they were for people getting in an air coach to go to Dublin. Uh, apparently that's a, a competitive uh, expressway service that, that, that's also commercial. So like, there's a lot of questions to be answered. Um, I honestly think that uh, from, from it needs to come from the top down. Yeah. I don't think the last government did much to, to try and address this. And uh, I'm going to be putting increasing pressure on Eamon Ryan to come down to Cork to see just how bad the situation right. is between traffic congestion I, and the cutting of routes. I see where your colleague in Cork, uh, Northwest, isn't it? Northwest, yeah. Uh, Andreas Moynihan is also speaking out this morning about the McCroom route. There was supposed to be an extension. The NTA, the, of, we, of which we've spoken, had agreed to extending the 233 McCroom to Cork route, but, but that hasn't happened yet, and it was due to, due to be rolled out in this year. So it's not just one problem we have. You know, the, the irony, you're saying, it, you're saying it there, McCroom, like, what's McCroom is famous for its traffic? You know, it's uh, it, 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 for tell anybody that's it. trying to get up and tell down. Me, it, tell me about traffic. it. So, you know, it's, it's the same everywhere. The South Wing Road, the N25, um, down in West Cork as well, and some of the towns and different constituencies, uh, they're, they're absolutely plagued with traffic congestion. And that's, that's, that's coming from the fact that we have highly unreliable services. I've, I'm getting uh, an, an enormous number of phone calls and text messages, and particularly late at night in a lot of cases from people who've been left standing at bus stops. Uh, and I don't think there's enough imagination. Like, if I had it my way, and I hope someday I maybe get to that level, where, where we can have a very serious impact and influence on, on, on transport policy. I'd have every single village in, and town in, in the county with a, a car park at the end of the town uh, with a bus stop outside of it so you could travel by car, get to your bus station, you know the bus is going to be uh, going to be there and will pick you up. It's, and, it's uh, not rocket science. There are other countries where they do it. The other parts of the world, parts of Europe, where, where public transport would leave us in, in, in the absolute shade. James, thank you. That's James O'Connor, uh, Finn Fawlty for Cork East. Last time he was on, we had a row. Today, I can't disagree with a word the man is saying. I just hope something will get done about it. Our public transport, we're saying this here for years, our public transport system, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Just go to the UK, go to France, go to Spain and see how they do their public transport. And we're just, we're way behind, lads. Way, way behind. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie <laughs>
The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or C96FM.ie Staying with the transport for one more brief moment, I see where Lorna Bogue, uh, she to be well known for speaking out against her own party, the Greens or elements of her own party, she has condemned uh, Eamon Ryan for failing, as regards Boss Aaron, and for overseeing the cut in the expressway routes. So she has uh, Councillor Lorna Bogue. Also, I, I, with regard to how good it should be, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, I live locally, I'm served where I live, I'm served by two fabulous bus routes, the 220 and the 216, and I think to myself, everybody should be able to have that kind of a public service if, if we live up to the expression public service, public transport. I've been there often enough to know how seriously they take it in Spain, for example, and they leave us in the in, in, in the shade how well they deal with important routes around their country. 185715996. Come back to something we finished the show with yesterday. And this is this thing about fishermen looking for the right to shoot seals. Now, it reads like a script for Kilnascully, but fishermen have been looking for the right to shoot seals. Why? I do not know. But it's come up through the political ranks and it's got asked and it's people are looking for licenses to stand on the deck of a trawler and shoot seals. Why would you do that? Why would you want to do that? Or am I getting it wrong entirely? Maybe I am. It's always a possibility. It has been known to happen. Patrick Murphy uh, is a member of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, PJ. And I think you um, fish out of Castletown Bear, do you? Well, I used to fish. Um, I've been involved in the fishing and the maritime side of things since the age of eight. Nice. Um, my my pedigree is that I'm the son of an island man, Hare Island in West Cork. Oh, but in the last number of years, I am a representative of the fishing industry, one of only four producer organisations in the country that represent uh, the majority of the the fleet here. So So what is the story, Patrick? Do people want to stand on the deck of their trawler with a gun shooting seals? First of all, I know you made a reference to killing the scully and the reason why I contacted your show yesterday is because there was a lot of people contacted me and they were really upset with the tone of the interview that was held with the uh, examiner correspondent or, or Pod, yeah, he's the environment correspondent sure. yeah in in the manner that was put out there you have to understand PJ we're, I've lost friends that I grew up with to the sea that were taken from us and we have uh, tragedies on a, a non-current basis and to hear somebody kind of making light of people trying to make their living and risking their lives to do so at the sea under these circumstances, it was uh, it, it raised a lot of uh, heckles, okay. you know. So, okay, uh, and, and, just, and you contacted us, and you're, here, and you're, and you're so, here today. Absolutely, well, I just, again, to clarify exactly yeah. what, what we're talking about here, right, first okay. of all. Okay, well, what so is the story? 
So what is the story is this, is that fishermen go out to sea and they risk their lives to do so because it's an unsafe environment, but they, it's a tradition and very few um, follow the calling. But anyway, in regards to seals, you see, these are animals that are actually looking for a free and an easy meal. And it's not all the seal population, it's just a few rogue ones. So what happens is, is you shoot your nets, the fish swim into the nets, and the seals come along and unfortunately, it would be lovely if they could take one or two, like you referenced yesterday, go away and eat them and be happy. But they don't. What they do is they destroy the fish. So they take the best bits of the fish and they leave the rubbish after them. So the heads or the bodies. But they, once they're full, they play with the fish. Then they rip out the heart and deliver the best parts of the fish and destroy it. So, you see, you're completely wiping out an individual who's risking their lives to make a living and it's taken away Hold on. from them. How, how, many, how many fish would you take into the net at the back of a trawler? Would you take part of a ton well, of fish? See, it, it depends. On, there's different methods of fishing, right? Trawling mm. is different now to um, gill netting alongside the shore, which is the reference. Okay. And, 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 and the points of bringing it back to the gun, right, is that this is nothing new to this country. We see animals being um, the population controlled, such as deer, foxes, badgers, mm. even if a dog, a the best pedigree dog in the country, privately owned, goes in and attacks sheep, they're shot. But to say that fishermen are looking for these licenses is not quite correct. You know, we're looking into avenues to correct this problem. And my job as a fisheries representative is to work with our scientific community right. and other expert groups and the seal sanctuary to find okay. alternatives. No, just so just for, to come back to the yeah. question, like when a fisherman is landing his catch, uh, and the seal he doesn't land it? catch when it, with regard to seals because he doesn't have a catch. The seals the, take it or they the whole catch. Uh, mostly, uh, and I'm speaking from experience here. You yeah. see, you have to understand what is happening here. This is decimating a person's ability to earn their living. It's not as if they don't. It's taken do, away. Do, their I, I know. I'm, I'm trying to tease it out, Patrick. This. Patrick, I'm I'm I'm, I'm 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 trying to tease it out, and put yourself in 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 my position or in the position yeah. of of a listener who, who doesn't get it, right? So yeah. my last experience of a seal was on my holidays uh, right. in County Antrim, uh, sitting, watching a big fat seal having his breakfast, jumping off the rocks, catching fish and eating them. And I thought, what a fabulous creature. What a beautiful creature. And he, if he had three or four fish, like, that was it. Like, what? So why, why is the likes of that poor devil a threat to fishermen? Because he is, because if he is not catching those fish like the one you saw, and if the explosion in the numbers that I see has happened in recent months, then we have a problem. Look, I don't want to get this bogged down and these seals are the enemy. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is finding a solution if we recognize there's a problem here. So the numbers of these seals have exploded in recent years. We have seen that where the National Parks and Wildlife normally calculate where the numbers of these seals are, just like the Scientific Marine Institute. They pick transects. So they pick data that is repeated over a period of time, say five years. Right. But if these, fish, uh, if these fish are landing on beaches that aren't in the recorded areas, then their numbers aren't being recorded. So you have to look at it. Look, PJ, as I said, I've been involved in the industry all my life. I have an aquaculture farm that my son is operating in Roaring Water Bay. Mm. We grow long-lined mussels. By a, by a, um, 
biodiversity is what we're after. Mm-hmm. So we want to see these seals. My father has an angling boat in Baltimore. He brings people out to look at these animals. So we're not looking to destroy these animals, but if there's a problem here, we look for solutions. So our solution would be uh, a birth control like they use in Canada, where you would inject the female after she's had a pup so she won't reproduce the following year. These are the solutions that we're putting forward. So I just want to give information to the viewers. So there has been guns given out to people to shoot seals and control them. So in 2008, it was a salmon farm. In 2011, there were two licenses given out to inland fisheries of Ireland to kill salmons in the rivers. In 2013, again, inland fisheries Ireland got one. And there was four licences given out, again, for uh, salmon attacking fish farms. In 2014, it was an inland fisheries. In 2015, inland fisheries. In 2016, right. inland fisheries. And in 2017, it was Larne ag- Anglers. So, you see, the, the, there was no licence given to a fisherman. So, again, I don't know where you the story originated from, but I can tell you that I I know of no fisherman that has been given one of these licenses. Right. I know that. Um, uh, well, I didn't say of, anyone of had been, sort. Patrick. I didn't say anybody had been. What I was suggesting well, was that they, they want the, the record. They want the right to shoot the ones. seals. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. Here's the thing. So a farmer has a right to shoot uh, animals that are coming in damaging his livestock. The uh, national parks and wildlife get train professionals in to shoot the deer when their population increases and they deem it to be hazardous or a danger to the public. These seals, okay, uh, and is being found out, right, that they are now cannibals, they're uh, cannibals, sorry, they eat their own young. I have seen footage and has been verified by the seal sanctuary that they have attacked swans and ripped them to shreds. We've heard of incidents where children who have been paddling inside the water, have been bitten by seals. So you see, we're not looking to destroy these animals. We're looking to make sure that they're protected. Well, one would certainly hope that you're not hoping to destroy them because they're an an endangered species. There's only about 300,000 of them left on the earth. Well, you see, we we would dispute those figures now that that in recent times, as I said to you, I don't think that the correct data is being put forward from these seals. We've seen seals in our area multiplied by, I'd say, up to tenfold in the, re- in the last number of years. There is no natural predators for these animals, so they're, they're breeding. Now, here, here's the irony of this, PJ. What was alluded to yesterday is that our fish stocks, and we're overfishing, and there's super trawlers, and that these seals need this fish. Well, to control any animal, right, one of this control is, is food. So if these animals are managing to reproduce at an alarming rate, then that dictates that the fish stocks must be in a healthy state for these animals to be able to breathe and thrive. So it disputes the other person that was on your show yesterday with his uh, viewpoint that uh, we're overfishing the waters. Here's a call that's just come in from someone who's listening to you and and hearing you explain, but he's saying that that's what's wrong with the earth. Because we don't like how an animal does what comes naturally, we want to eliminate it. Well, I don't agree with that. As I said, I'm not for eliminating these animals or giving guns out. I never said that. What I said to you is that I work with scientific communities. The Marine Institute were forming a SEAL group to look at this issue and to deal with it properly and to deal with it in a proper way that these animals aren't harmed but protected. So 
your viewer is in agreement with me. As I've said, there is going to be a SEAL group that I'm going to be sitting on, and we've done our research with the SEAL sanctuary, members of the SEAL sanctuary, to look for alternatives here. The first thing we have to do is identify, is there a problem here? Would that person prefer to see some uh, child or somebody being attacked by a SEAL? These are wild animals, like. These are not, just because they look pretty doesn't mean that they're okay. Come on, Patrick, they don't eat children. They eat fish. Excuse me, PJ, I'm telling you that there was a recorded uh, attack of a child in England on the beach where uh, a seal actually took a lump out of a child's leg. I'm not making this up. This is real. So uh, I'm telling you, I'm giving you my guarantee that I witnessed where our uh, inland uh, rescue services had to go to a rock in Roaring Water Bay and pick two swimmers up off the rock because they wouldn't get back into the water where they swam to because of the seal circling them. So this happened and it happened this year. So we can we can either choose to ignore these things and say, listen, it is grand, or we actually deal with them in a proper way. Okay. So that's what I'm after. I still want to come back to the other things that was raised in your um, interview yesterday, where, again, we were um, saying that there's overfishing going on. Well, I would love that person, that environmentalist, to, to say, who is actually doing the overfishing? He made reference to 300 scientists and 50 from Ireland. I would love to see that report. If you can pass that on to yourselves, I'd love to see it because the reports I read and work with, because we meet with the scientists, we work with ISIS, we work with STCF. These are the, the governing bodies over the seas in the northwest waters where we set tax and quotas for each individual species. And the European fishing fleet catches 5% of the global fish in the world. 5%. Mm. Our share of that 5%, it varies from 10% to 4%. So that means our catches for our entire fleet in our country would be 0.05 to 0.02. We are no threat to the fish stocks, of the, of the, uh, as was alluded to in the conversation yesterday. Another fact, there are 83... Well, to be fair, to be fair Patrick, I don't, think, I don't think that I read the, and I read the article that Podrick wrote. I don't think that he was referring to the, 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 the small, if you like, family fishermen or community fishermen. No, this like is the entire fleet of Ireland. He was talking about super trawlers. Well, he's not specifying that. You see, he should be more detailed because everybody that contacts me, PJ, doesn't understand that. As you said, I'm on the airways now to give some clarity on, on some of the things that have been said. And if you allow me to do that, I'll give you some more figures. There's 83,322 fishing vessels in the European Union. Of that, the Irish fleet, 991 are under 10 metres. Over 18 metres, these super trawlers, I'm assuming that he refers to, there's only 164 of those vessels left in Ireland's fishing register. That's what our fleet has been reduced to, decimated. In 2006, we had 280 vessels. So you see, it's not helpful for these stories to come out that seems to be attacking. I know that they're not intentional. I, I understand you don't intend to do this, but it's really upsetting for the people who ring me to say to me, listen, this is unbelievable. You know, I've lost a loved one. I've lost a husband or I've lost a brother or a son. And to hear this on the radio on the airways, not representing the real facts is, is really upsetting for these people. Like we have to have a small bit of reality of what it is for a person. And I keep saying this because I was one myself. It is a dangerous environment in which you go to work. It is absolutely disheartening when a wild animal comes up and wipes out your chance of, of making a living for your family, for your crew members and contributing to the coastal communities financial welfare. 
84% of the economic activity in Castletown Bear and the Bearer Peninsula is attributed to our fishing industry. So if you take that away, you're destroying our communities. And this is people's lives we're talking about. And look, as I said, and I'm not joking, you can look at the, the weather forecast for the next week. You'll see the red. Fishermen set the reset button every time they go to fish because every time they go to fish, PJ, they incur expenses and diesel yeah. and bait yeah. and running costs. They have to make those expenses back in that week. There's no carrying it forward. And we've seen this year massive, massive damage to the incomes of fishermen by the bad weather that started off this year. We've seen COVID-19, where restaurants and everything closed down, our markets were, were set, 50% losses in earnings. And yeah. fishermen are struggling as it is. We're facing Brexit, where we could lose the only other place we're allowed to fish in UK waters. We'll be denied that. There are 400 vessels fishing inside in that area. Where are they going to go following Brexit? We're the only other fishing grounds in the country. People have to educate themselves and see what's coming because we will not have a fishing industry. We will see more decommissioning schemes. We will see more family businesses being put out of businesses. We'll see schools being closed. We'll see other professionals. And, and, and controlling the population of seals would... It's really important. Hold on, let me finish right my question. Way. What percentage of those issues would it, would it tackle? Well, I bring it back to the individual PJ. If an individual risks their lives to go out in their little boat to shoot nets to try and make an earning for their thing, it doesn't matter about what the seals will eat on everybody else. We have to think about that individual who's being put out of business when he goes home to his family and his children and he doesn't have anything in his pockets, only debt. That's where I want to bring it back to. So we don't want to be killing these animals unnecessarily. But like the deer, like any other animal that's in the country that our government decide need to be controlled or managed, okay. we must find a mechanism to do that. Well, you've, made, you've actually made that point extremely well and the comparison with deer sta- stands up. But shooting isn't the solution and you're telling well, me no one wants to be shooting them. No, absolutely. So this didn't come from the fishermen. It didn't come from my organisation. So I'm here to defend the fishermen that are trying to make a living and giving a proper narrative to what is actually happening out there, where fishermen are pulling in the heads of fish and nothing else, that they're losing their ability to support their families through no fault of their own. They bring in equipment that they put onto the nets. They're called pingers that scare away these animals, but they become used to them. So they are going out to destroy the incomes of these people who are risking their lives to go to sea. And while we're trying to do, logically and factually, and with our scientific community, is find solutions okay. that don't involve a gun. And to say that people will be having high-powered rifles and shooting them from boats, I don't agree with that. I didn't agree with it when the Navy were shooting at fishermen, so I certainly won't agree with it when fishermen are, being, are shooting seals. That's my own personal view. That's why, in my position, I want to work with scientists and people who can find real solutions that protect these animals, and at the same time, protect the individual who's trying to make a living and support their family and the coastal communities in which they operate. All right. Well, well I'm, I'm glad to have given you an opportunity uh, to explain your side of the story. Because like I was saying, Patrick, and I think I hope you didn't take me up wrong, it, is a, it was a bizarre, it read as a bizarre story. And I wanted to try to get to the bottom of it. So thank you for helping me to do that. And I would like to offer my services to you, PJ, in anything related to the maritime. Not to say that I'm an expert, but I do know a little bit. And any time your show wants to talk about something like this, please feel free to give me a ring. Or my other colleagues in the industry, it's our full-time jobs. Okay. 
and we're doing it to protect what little we have left. We'll take you up on that, I've no doubt. Thank you very much, Patrick Murphy from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. There's more to it than meets the eye. They don't necessarily want to start shooting seals, but if you're to listen to Patrick and take it as he says, there are fish, fishermen going out and they're losing their entire catch to seals. It's a problem, if that's true, if that's what he says. Uh, yeah, take one, one more fast one, I'd say, D, before we go there. Uh, now, the attacks, we've been doing the executive research desk, was doing a quick Google. There are reported attacks on children. There's a few examples online. Uh, it does happen. It does happen. I imagine it wouldn't be frequent, but it, it does happen. 1850-715-996. Tanya on WhatsApp. Hi, Page, that man is saying seals are getting a free an easy meal. The ocean is their home. That's where they live. It's their home. Why shouldn't they eat in their natural environment? Shame on the fishermen, says uh, Tanya. 1850-715-996. One quick call to end the day with Eleanor. Good morning to you. You saw two men in town yesterday. Good morning, PJ. Yes, I did. And I just felt that I should ring in and leave a comment and then Fergal uh, rang back to know what I speak to you. Um, I was in town yesterday and I spoke to two young homeless men, one of whom I know, I meet them quite a lot if I'm in town, and I took in some sandwiches and I gave them the, the sandwiches and we were chatting away and we were just talking about the whole COVID issue and the impact that it was having on them. And they, one of them is able to use the facilities with Simon on a regular basis and the younger lad said that because of the COVID restrictions and the social distancing, he was unable to do so. And he's living in a tent at the side of the river. And I just said to him, you know, do you feel, you know, in any way restricted now with COVID and all this and having to abide by the rules and they didn't have a mask so I, I went and I got them some masks and he said you know what really annoyed him was all the talk about the freshers week and the students having to socialise now while we all appreciate everybody has to socialise and it's very important for your mental health there, there is a limit and you have to consider others and the whole residents of the magazine road. And one thing that was very poignant, and I know you're cut for time, but one thing was very poignant, and he said to me, you know what, girl, if I had a room of my own and a bed of my own every night and a shower facility, I wouldn't mind, he said, staying inside and not mixing with people if it meant that the COVID wouldn't spread. It's rampant among the homeless sector. Yeah. And he said, you know, it must be such a luxury to have a bed of your own and not say, I wonder who was sleeping in this last night and who's going to sleep in it tomorrow night. Because it's only randomly he gets a bed from Simon because of the cutbacks yeah. and the whole, the whole the COVID situation. It does it does put it in context, doesn't it? Eleanor, thank you for no reason other than time. I ended there, but you made your point and made it extremely well. Thank you so much. 1850-715-996. Bit of perspective to end the show today. Thanks, Dee. Thanks, Fergal. We're back in the morning just after nine. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.